0: Can I ask you a little question?
1: Yeah. Do you love us?
0: Yeah. Well, we love you. Let me tell you something, people. You have made us feel awesome tonight. But I want you to know something. You, Stockholm, you are awesome. And I want you to know something. If you ever come back here and pay your money to see a band that doesn't give you what you deserve, get on your telephone, give us a call, we'll come back here. You
1: deserve the best.
0: And I want you to know something. You are beautiful. Take a look at yourself. Swedish talk. I still like to say Godzilla di Rumba. <laughs> Here's a song. It's about a city that rock and rolls. This song is about you people.
1: It's called
2: It is 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. It is the Rick Emerson radio program, I Am He. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970. We begin today with the one and only Paul Stanley, the star child. The source of all good things in this fading republic of ours. All right. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. For your comments, questions, clarifications, uh, conventions, two cents, what have ye on this Friday? Uh, it is Friday. Welcome to Day 12. If you would like to call us, it is 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol on vacation. Everybody's on vacation. Richie Bristol on vacation. Sarah Dillon on vacation. Tim Riley leaving early today. It's just going to be me and Kristen. You know why? We are game day players. That's what we are. That means Timmy is coming in, doesn't it?
3: Yes, it does, Tim.
2: Yes, it does. Did you hear that, ladies? (laughs) Excellent. It's already the best show ever. It's 503 733 Get ready for the... Get ready for the sweet, warm, loving, aural caresses of Timmy Ryan. (sighs) All right. Uh, Or whatever. It's 503-733-2970. Adam Thompson for the Pimp Squad. Standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, uh, the Scandinavian, whatever you might have today. Uh, It is Friday. Lots to get to. Uh, usually Thursday is the day in which I'm really running behind Usually it's like I come in on Thursday and There's a whole lot of this running around Not just like a chicken with my head come off, cut off But sort of like a, like a small spastic baby chicken With my head cut off And like one wing kind of bent And then only one toe on my left foot That is exactly what I'm like today So just, if you're playing the home game This is going to be a little bit of a It's going to be a little bit of a, doing it as we go along here So it's okay, you know, we're professionals We're going to play through it it is five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. This is largely by the way, because even by our own admittedly expanded standards, there is so much to get to today. And not just because of the Barack thing last night, but, of course, it's obviously a huge part of it. Uh, so let me just uh, tackle all of this kind of going forward. Today we're going to talk to CNN Radio correspondent uh, Bob Costantini. He will be joining us today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano as well. He's going to talk about, I, I guess, because now all the, the focus shifts uh, to McCain and to whoever that chick is he picked as his running mate who everybody will now pretend to know everything about just like how when we went into afghanistan a couple years ago suddenly every guy you worked with in the office was like well you know the thing about the Afghanistani winters is uh, the, and this is the thing the soviets uh, really ran into. and they this jackass, didn't know anything You'd, going to wikipedia and reading about something for twenty seconds does not make you knowledgeable about anything so now for the rest of the day, you're going to hear people bumping their gums about how they know everything about McCain's running mate. All of this is a lie. So if somebody in you know, those starts to do that, just kick them Nobody squarely in the before. groin. No one ever heard of her before. She's so, a self-proclaimed hunky, hunky mom. A honky mom. <laughs> that is, uh, got to totally start using that phrase right now. All right. You're not so much a soccer mom as you are a honky mom. Oh, that's great. All right. Gold. That's two pieces of gold from you. And just, are you no, working? I, I strive for greatness. Are you working double time though? Because Timmy's coming in at one thirty. So you got to get the genius out now. Absolutely. Get every slice of that fried gold out and in front of the public before you have to go. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll talk to Dick Juliano about that. We'll talk to Ed McCarthy uh, just for a couple minutes later on about this hurricane that's coming in, and uh, it's either good or it's you know not good. But I mean, it's either it's either much much better than the last one, you know, in other words, it's not nearly as bad, or it's as bad as the last one, or it's worse than the last one, and I can't really tell that that's because every news service seems to be reporting it differently, and it's either going to bring devastation and death and toads and boils or it's just going to be rain and you know and fire ants floating into your house and nobody really seems to be sure. So fire ants will eat you. They will. They'll eat your bones, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will talk to Dick Giuliano uh, about John McCain and then we'll talk to Ed McCarthy about the hurricane. We're going to talk to a uh, political blogger, Chris Sneethan from OnTheVig.com uh, here about the 20 after. Uh, so Adam, Chris Sneethan will be calling the warm line around 20 after today. He's going to talk about, I got a couple real specific things to ask him. One is about the honky mom who was running with uh, with John McCain. That's the best phrase. Because everybody knows what that means, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have worked on that. I learned her name this morning. That's great. And it has a much better flow to it than crackhead. So, um, in any event, so we're we'll going to Chris Snead about that. We're going to get his thoughts on uh, the Obama speech last night and about the, the whole sort of week that the Democrats had. And then I'm going to ask him a little bit of a, an uninteresting question because he's... I shouldn't even give the question away now, but I'm going to ask... Stephen, who is not only a big political junkie and really more knowledgeable about politics, especially local and regional politics than almost anybody I know, but he's a huge music fan as well, and he's a Springsteen fanatic. And I want to sort of get his thoughts on the fact that as soon as Obama was done last night, they were rolling out Born in the USA. Yeah. And again, I sort of thought we had reached... I thought we had an understood moratorium on that song being used at political events. And I thought that we had reached some sort of national consensus and understanding that Born in the USA was, was not to be used for anybody's campaign. Like, and then there were fireworks. I thought the memo went out to everybody. Yeah, and there were fireworks, and then there were streamers there, that went out the audience. It was a uh, Lenny
3: uh thing from the 1930s. That's it
2: Only it was in color this time. <laughs> Yes, it's the Lenny Riefenstahl special edition. Uh, There you go. That's a Springsteen and a Riefenstahl reference inside of 30 seconds. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Feel that one. Uh, Let's see what else is coming up today. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio will be here. Uh, We have, I don't know how this keeps happening to me. So yesterday we had two different top fives. To my credit, we got to one of them, you bastards. It's not like they were both ignored. We we got to one of them. Uh, today we now again have two top five. I don't know how these things keep occurring. So today we have, uh, we have your choice, and I don't know what we're gonna do. We'll probably make it. We'll probably make it dealer's pleasure today. We either got your top five B sides that are better than the A side. That's your first choice. Top five B sides that are better than the A-side. Now, on the one hand, I'd like to get to that one today, because Kristen Bowie's producing the show today because of uh, Sarah Dillon's vacation. Kristen Bowie, half of the fantastic show Musicology, which airs Sunday nights 7 to 9, right here in this very fine radio station. Ed, obviously a music enthusiast and a fan, and blah, blah, blah. So I'd like to do that. On the other hand... You know what I got right here? You know what this top five is that I hold in my hands? It's pretty shiny. Holding it right here like some sort of... Sanctified Papyrus. I have in my hand here the... And you'll see the relevance of this almost immediately. I hold in my hands the... Top five... Funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. Right here. Which I feel like we almost have to do. Because of Stevie Wonder performing last night at the Obama thing. And their endless lingering close-ups of Rosario Dawson in a tight t-shirt dancing around. Really, that made the entire evening... I mean, whatever. Healthcare, security, what change more than whatever it doesn't matter. It's just show Rosario Dawson just uh, uh, gyrating around on television. I am a happy man. I mean, really, that's all I care about. I do, just get the Cheetos and cable television and maybe a car that I can fill up for less than five hundred dollars. And Rosario Dawson, I am satisfied till the end of my days. That's all I. And bacon and bacon and this ashtray and that's all. And this paddle game. Uh, so, we'll get to all of that today, and it would be a fool's wager to try to predict anything else. So, uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday.
3: I don't know where to begin. I don't know either. Tim. So, we have uh, barrels and barrels of sound bites from last night, in case you missed it. Uh, locally, a gang related fighter reps at the Oregon State Fair. A Winco shoplifter was caught after a high speed chase on the East Side early this morning. Tramway drivers protest new proposed bike lanes in the Rose Quarter. A portable neighborhood watchtower. This is where Neighborhood Watch is available in Valeda, Vancouver. It's the first one like this in a long time. Is that for portable Jehovah's Witnesses? Probably. But I've seen them in California. They're like those uh, cherry pickers, but they're for the neighborhood watch person to watch over the neighborhood.
2: You mean where they like they, they just sort of up there like Yurtle the turtle, sort yeah. of looking down on everything? Yeah. What does the neighborhood watch do? I mean, will we hear about this later? Yeah. All right. Pro- I'm, it's a tease. That whole thing sort of mystifies me. Okay.
3: Uh, uh, Let's see. Twelve headless bodies are found in Mexico. David Duke company admits to being a sex addict and enters rehab. Michael Jackson celebrates a half-century. John McCain turns 72. John Edwards will speak this fall at the University of Illinois for $65,000. All
2: right. Fantastic. Going to be one of the best days we've ever had. Yes. Uh, let's see, what else? Is, well, you hit a bunch of the stuff I was going to talk about today. Um, let's see, uh, other small observations. Oh, you know, not that anybody really cares about this. I got a couple notes, and then we'll talk to uh, Kristen Bowie here, and then Chris Sneathan will be joining us. We've already got phone calls coming in. Uh, do not forget, uh, Adam, I uh, should have told you about this before the show. One random on air caller today will win a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD. Don't miss the final season of The Shield, premiering Tuesday, 10 p.m. only on FX, and pick up The Shield Season 6 in stores. August 26th from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. So one random on-air caller today at the sole discretion of Adam Thompson uh, will win a copy of the Shield Season 6 on DVD. All right, I got notes to get to in just a second. We'll talk about a little bit of what Richie's doing on vacation. And, Tim, you're going to be very happy. You know what I hold in my hands? I don't know. It's not the Stevie Wonder Top 5. That was a minute ago. You know what I'm holding in it now? don't know. I got right here. The new old Farmer's Almanac. Uh Uh-huh. Arrived yesterday. So there you go. They're no longer selling that toilet that vaporizes your waste, though. It's very disappointing. Hmm. Uh, they are selling the pet egg, though. I thought you'd be interested in that. That oh. is interesting. All right, and then da 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 da. Chris and Bowie joining us today. Hello, how are you?
4: Hello, I'm doing great.
2: All right, you watched speech last night? Uh, yes. What'd you think? How much of it I, I mean, did you watch? Did you watch the whole thing. night or the whole?
4: Uh, as soon as I got home, I started watching it.
2: Excellent. Good for yeah. you. I uh, I can do that, you know, with the TiVo. You can go online and you can program it from anywhere because it's the greatest, because it's God's own machine. So I went online and I just. It's sort of like Mr. Creosote in the restaurant, you know? Where he's just. What do you want? Oh, I'll have the lot. The TiVo's like, what do you want to tape? You know? The TiVo is sort of. TiVo's great. TiVo's sort of like Eddie, your helpful shipboard computer in The uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hey, guys, what do you want to watch today? Well, I don't know. I should, Anything you want to watch, I'll be sure to rustle it up for you. I'd love to help you. All right, well, I was, I don't know, maybe maybe Mythbusters, I can do Mythbusters. Do you like Smash Lab? Everybody loves Smash Lab. I'd love to tape it for you. Maybe just as a suggestion. And if you want to watch it again, I'll do it again. If not, that's fine, too. Whatever you want. And you,
4: With the inability to make coffee. Totally, exactly.
2: Uh, so I just tell the team, I'm like, tape it all. And just tape everything. Tape tape everything all night long. So I went home and I just uh, I just wallowed. There's a whole lot of tedium, though. The great thing about the TiVo is you can just skip through all of the crap. Because watching the... And all conventions are this way. But watching the Democratic convention last night, and there's no situation for which I cannot use this analogy. It is like Lucky Charms, where you're wading through all the mysterious brown dreck that is just there to sort of keep you from getting the marshmallows. And, of course, uh, you know, Al Gore, marshmallow. In more ways than one. Uh, Barack Obama, marshmallow. Everything else, brown crap. Don't care about it. So he's wading through all of those. And what is that brown stuff in Lucky Charms? I have no is idea. Is it leftover bits from another cereal? It tastes
3: horrible. There's you know, no I'm brown, brown stuff in my Lucky
2: Charms. No, no, no. You know what I'm talking about. The beige. The cardboard taste. Yeah, that, that like taupe colored. can't believe it's used taupe. The sandstone colored. You know, the, the, like the brown cereal stuff. And then there's all the, the marshmallows. I don't know. You know perfectly well what I'm... You're being deliberately obtuse. I'm not trying to be obtuse. In Lucky Charms, there are... I can't recite the whole thing. There's green clovers and yellow somethings and something else that's mauve. But then there's all of the brown cereal. And the brown cereal, nobody cares about the brown cereal. And
4: it always settles down to the bottom. So by the time you get through halfway through the cereal, all you have is the brown stuff.
2: And it has no discernible taste. Anyway, so I'm just saying... All of the other events last night, uh, you know, all of that was that was just all of that like beige serial lucky charm stuff while you're waiting for like the uh, you know for like the, the green balloon or whatever that is Barack Obama to come out. anyway, so I was able to skip through all of that, including including just Jesus this it was bad enough we had to sit through I mean everybody else did I didn't the, Melissa Etheridge the other night. Melissa Etheridge, listening to Melissa Etheridge is like having my tonsils pulled out by someone wearing a rusty metal glove. Just reaching into my, and then so Cheryl Crow wasn't a whole lot better, but I was able to skip through most of that. Um, anyway, so what did you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, scale of one to ten.
4: I'm a little biased because I'm a big flaming liberal anyway, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, feel like, I feel like it was the first time I've heard somebody speak like Bill Clinton.
2: All right, fair enough. Uh, Tim Riley, thumbs up, thumbs down.
3: I thought it picked up an energy, it, it took a while to get where it was supposed to go, but finally when it did,
2: yes, it felt really good. So you feel like it was, maybe uh, Stephen King has a term for this in, when it comes to novels, a, what did he say, a a more gradual incline, but with a higher something. Right. In other words, it takes longer to get there, but when it gets there, it's it's more than you expected. It, you know, right. it, sur- it, sur- it surpasses your expectations. I didn't want thoughtfulness, I wanted a killer. Yeah, well, I, it was it was a little uh, you know it was a little more bare knuckle than I expected. Uh, hey, by the way, have you seen that? Have you seen that uh, that anti-McCain ad, the the Obama ad that's running today that uses it's like Sam Cooke's Wonderful World, but it's a whole lot of like don't know much about economy. It's pretty great. I mean, it's a little on the nose, but it's pretty great. Uh, all right. There were a few jabs
4: against him last night.
2: There were, um, you know, but uh, was it Bill Richardson that came out that was doing the in- that spoke before? Or was that the night before? It's all just sort of conflating in my head. But he was, I think it was the night before, but he was really good, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, we'll get your calls here in a second. We'll talk to Chris Neathen from onthevig.com. We might do we might do a Barack Obama's speech Instapoll poll uh, here in a second, just to see what the pulse of the people is. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You are the first call of the day. Speak now. Don't blow it. I guess he blew it. Hello, hi. Hello, hi. Hello. Yeah, well done. It's you, sir. Hi, hello. Hey,
5: um, I was calling about the death watch that you had uh, a couple months ago.
2: Yeah. Um, what is? What, is there was, what are you clarifying, there was, sir?
5: There was a boy that you said was killed in a little town in Jefferson, Oregon, by
3: a train. Did we say that, Tim? How long ago was this? This was like maybe two months ago. What well, we're the... not going to remember back two months uh, ago, sir. I don't.
2: By the time I get to lunch, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Was it? What was the nature of the story?
5: Um, a boy got hit by a train, but he actually survived. He's he's walking around and he's fine. And you guys said that he was dead. You said that someone was dead before they'd been pronounced dead on your on your death watch. So well watch, watch. Wait. Make sure that you know.
2: Wait, let me understand this. Hold on, let me clarify something. You are saying that something on our news broadcast was inaccurate no no no, no 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 you're blowing my mind no no no! you're going a million miles a second hold on let me say you are saying that here on this program tim are you hearing this that in, i'm listening yes that that here as part of a news broadcast that we in fact conveyed and disseminated information that was not entirely correct this is your this is what you're saying
5: is it your news broadcast, the the one you you guys something? Is it Darwin Watch or Death I Watch?
2: I don't know. You're just you're freaking me out now. I got to go back and re-examine everything I thought to be true about myself. I don't even know who I am anymore.
5: It's the clip that you guys do when you when you tell about uh, strange yes. deaths that happen. Yes.
2: All right. Well, okay. So we said a guy was dead. Then he, well, you know what? Uh, what was we were, when we were saying? Somebody was alive the other day, and it turned out they had been dead for like twenty years. Yeah. I think the other day I said that Judy Garland was still alive, so it all works out.
5: So. That the little boy in Jefferson is still alive and that, and
2: uh and that boy's name was Jesus Christ. all right, thank
6: you yeah I
2: don't know where we're
3: going. people shouldn't wait two months to call us anyway. How am I supposed to remember?
2: did he really wait two months to call and clarify something we don't even remember? yeah, that's a non judicious use of your time, sir. It's
3: hard to remember
4: what we said yesterday.
2: I don't remember what I just talked to that guy about, so you know it's all the same to everybody. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. 503 2970 Oh, and I got my cholesterol and everything back from the... Uh, I'm not going to die. I mean, not like today. And not from this, anyway. Uh, look at this. Uh, what does it say? The final... uh Let's see. Your recent lab results were... Normal. That's right. See, it always happens that way. I will live to torment another day. Every
3: time you think there's something wrong with you, everything that makes you paranoid you think you're going to check, you don't have it, ever.
2: But then, the thing you don't think you have... That's when suddenly you have Hansen's disease or something, so...
3: Hanson's disease. That's leprosy. Oh, I thought you would talking about Hanson the group.
2: <laughs> no. So, nor, nor was I talking about the Hanson Brothers uh, from Slapshot or the Hanson Brothers punk band. Okay. Or Hanson's Fine Sodas. See, it always turns out you're fine. Yeah. No, I mean, I would. Every uh, time. I, I thought I was about to keel over. Because they did give me the... Uh, and then we'll talk to Chris Snead in just one moment, who is uh, standing by to talk to us. But when I went into the... Uh, when I went into the, to the, you know, I told this all, I was on a Marconi show the other day, um, and uh, they were doing this, these are the people in your neighborhood segment, so I was talking to those guys. But I was telling this, is that I'm, you know, I'm sitting there and talking to the, uh, I think it was an outgrowth of talking to the shrink, who, you know, thought that there might be some sort of, uh, you know, chemical or clinical reason for my nuttiness. Mm-hmm. And so he, I went to, uh, you know, to the, my, my insurance, you know, whatever the hospital place, um, and. They do that thing of just getting out. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a book like an inch and a half thick of tests. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even ask me. They didn't even, they got to the point where they didn't even go, all right, when, when is the last time you had your lipids checked? Or, they didn't, they just disregarded me and they started going, yes. Yeah, like checking off all the tests for me. They just decided that I would take everything. So man, they just gave me a battery of tests. I mean, they just—they—I mean, they did everything, but just—but just come by and scrape off samples of my eyeball. So, um, but apparently, I am—apparently, uh, I'm am not about to keel over and die. That's good. So, so everybody, goes, of us are. everybody i are. run out of tested. Test. Really? Pretty much. All right, there you go. Perhaps we are impervious, like the mayor of Sunnydale. Oh, Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Chris Sneeden from OnTheVig.com. Hello, and howdy to you sir? How are you today? I am fantabulous. How is your Friday going so far?
7: Uh, you know what? So far so good. Got a three day weekend coming up, so I might go to Home Depot. Who knows?
2: <laughs> Dare to dream, sir. Thank you. All right, so uh, so you know more about politics than, than most folks that I know. So let me ask you just a few questions. First of all, the big obvious one. So what's up with this uh, what's up with this girl that's running with McCain?
7: Boy, I talk about a left field pick. Uh, he's obviously pandering to the the disaffected Hillary voters, but the disaffected Hillary voters that uh, texted and emailed me this morning all said, what the heck?
2: Yeah, so. uh, not to, th- th- I'm going to rip off a phrase that somebody used on Dennis Miller this morning, but doesn't this seem a little bit like stunt casting?
7: I, boy, I, that's exactly, I mean, it's it's that or it's Harriet Myers all over again. I just don't understand it.
2: When at one point weren't they talking about, um, um, uh, her name is Kay Bailey Hutchinson or something?
7: I hadn't heard that, but that wouldn't wouldn't have been surprising.
2: That wouldn't have been as surprising as this. Yeah, it's just, I mean, look, I don't don't pretend to know her or know anything about her or whatever. Maybe, I'm sure she's a fine person, and you know, whatever, capable of all that.
7: She's a fine lady. I mean, she was mayor of a a very small town in Alaska and uh, ended up on some... Uh, like Oil and Conservation Board, mm-hmm. and then got in a fight with a bunch of folks on that, and then ended up uh, running against uh, was it Lisa Murkowski, I think was the governor, I, I think, and uh, upset her, and has been kind of a reformer for the party up in, in Alaska, and Lord knows they need it with the Ted Stevens and, and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, ultimately I think it's going to come down to she's militantly pro-life, and... Uh, She's kind of a mix of, of that old-school rove Republican along with a little bit of a of a reformer just because, uh, I don't know.
2: It just, it's I don't a, know what to do with her. I know. It's, it, everybody just seems sort of flummoxed by the whole thing. And I will say this, just judging purely on gut sense and aesthetic and yeah. in, a, in a purely sort of uh, right-brained way, I look at this and it seems like, especially after the huge momentum and the drama and the over-the-top bombast, both good and bad, of, of the Democratic Convention, then he just goes with this woman that nobody's ever heard of, and it just seems like a big deflation in momentum to me. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but you know, what do I know?
7: Well, you could be, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I it will be very interested to see how she does at 3 a.m. when she gets the phone call.
2: <laughs> what is your, that, well, see, that's, aren't they going to hammer her on that? That's the one heartbeat away from the presidency. Is a woman that no one's heard of.
7: But you know, I don't. I don't know that they that they have to. I think that. I look back and it's like I said. I think it's Harriet Myers, and I think that it's just going to be on its face. I think people are just going to look and say, "What are you doing? What are you thinking?"
2: <laughs> um, so a couple brief things. Your uh, I don't know. Your kind of a couple line summation on Obama last night.
7: Uh, my couple line summation is I still have to watch the TiVo. Oh, in your face, Christine.
2: Yeah. Um, Okay, then let me ask you this. I'll skip to the bottom of the page and ask you the Artie question, which is, you don't need to see the speech to know this. So they do the whole speech. Uh, I think Biden came out, and the families all hug, and they wave at people and whatever. And then, over the loudspeaker, because we've been told, you know, the rumor was that Springsteen was going to show up and play, and that didn't happen. But as soon as everything wrapped up, over the loudspeaker, they start booming born in the USA. And I thought we had reached... An understanding, tacitly or perhaps explicitly, as a, as a people that, that we weren't going to play that song anymore at political no, conventions.
7: The, the memo keeps going out, but it keeps getting misfiled.
2: You know, I would think that at least I would think that somebody because that seems to be such a, a savvy organization in terms of the culture that somebody would have pulled them aside and gone, "Ixnay on the Ingsbrain stay, you know?
7: You know, I mean, there's any number of Springsteen songs you can play that yeah. are inspirational, but yeah. that's that's not the one, and I, the it's just. It's like, uh, you know, Republicans at some point are going to play that Lee Greenwood song. It's totally. part of that. It's it's in that, uh, it's on the patriotic CD, so let's punch up track number four and see what happens. It
4: looks is... like they closed out with Brooks and Dunn, Only in America.
2: Here's the great thing about that, though. The thing about Obama, yeah, the, the final song they played was Brooks and Dunn singing Only in America. Here's right. the real nifty thing about that is that George W. Bush played that at his last convention. So that's a nice little <laughs> yoink. That's a little steal from the Republicans right there. Yeah. All right, on thevig. dot That's vig with a v. On the dot is the website, Chris Neathan. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go, Chris Neathan, ladies and gentlemen. So this Alaskan gal, uh, Governor
3: Sarah Palin, came in second place in the nineteen eighty four Miss Alaska patchet. She did win, though, the coveted title of Miss Wasilla, mm. and she also won for Miss Congeniality. So she is
2: congenial. Do you suppose she's going to pale in comparison to the? Never mind. Uh, we should take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, news from Tim Riley. We will talk to senior radio correspondents Bob Costantini, Dick Giuliano, Ed McCarthy will join us here in a while. Uh, we will do either top five B-sides better than the A-side or top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. Uh, Scott Daly will join us. Uh, we, uh, piles and piles and piles of stuff to get to, not unlike Siri Sylvia's interview stuff. Stay there. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's Mother Love Bone. Indeed. My hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 733 2970 coming up in a short while. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy as well as uh, Bob Costantini. Uh, we'll have the top five coming up today. Top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. Uh, we'll also have the Ministry of Truth with Tim Riley coming up at the top of the hour. So on and so forth ad infinitum. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent, Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. How are you today?
8: Hey, hello from Washington, Rick.
2: Uh, So this is a measure of how quickly things change. So I'm looking at the CNN Radio AM prep sheet, which comes out, and it says, John McCain will appear with his still secret choice uh, at noon before an expected crowd of 15,000 in Dayton, Ohio. And I don't know where Dayton, Ohio is in the time zone continuum, Um, Has this this already happened? Is it happening now?
8: Yeah, John McCain has basically, I think, uh, surprised the nation with his pick, Rick. People are really surprised by this. The longtime political analyst, David Gergen, said you could have knocked him over with the feather. Republican John McCain has chosen as his running mate the freshman governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin.
2: And so, uh, I I don't even know where to begin. I guess I could look at, and this is uh, from CNN, they they said the shortlist uh, shortlist was thought to include uh, Minnesota Governor Tim, is it Pawlenty? Yes. Uh, Joe Lieberman, uh, I know they've bandied around the name of Mitt Romney and so forth. Uh, So I guess my question to you, and let me put this in uh, the most professional and journalistic way I can, which is, uh, what gives? What is that about? Well,
8: And it is a fair question, because I think a lot of people are asking, Governor, who? Yeah. Look, this is a very bold move by McCain. I think it's all about McCain thinking he's got an uphill climb to beat uh, Barack Obama. How do you beat him, Rick? Well, if you're in in a poker game, you might double down. Uh, to put it another way, you roll the dice. You take a chance. This is a very bold move that, number one, is likely to energize his Republican base. Why? Uh, she is a uh, she is a darling of the social conservatives. She's the mother of five kids. She's a former beauty pageant winner. She hunts moose with her husband and with her father. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Oh, no, I, I know you're not. She's a snowmobiler. Um, uh, She's a star basketball player, and there's a rumor out there that she could beat Barack Obama one-on-one on on the basketball court. And uh, here's the thing for social conservatives. This mom of four got pregnant last year. She knew that the baby was going to be a Downs baby, and she chose to have the child. This is likely to electrify uh, anti-abortion Republicans, and this is a part of the Republican Party that McCain has not had sewed up. That there's another thing, too, maybe— uh, McCain may be hoping to get some of the women who were backing Hillary Clinton. And in her speech in Dayton, Ohio with McCain, what did Governor Palin do? She saluted Hillary Clinton for her 18 million votes.
2: It's always interesting to me, and this is just uh, this is my observation, a slice of personal observation here. It is always interesting to me. When you see people, sort of in a campaign setting or in a convention setting or whatever, where they are sort of publicly saluting or giving accolades to somebody that, that you just sense, like in your bones, that they absolutely loathe. Uh, I, I always, I always think about that in terms of victory, you know, sort of a congratulatory or concession phone calls as well. Um, so, the, so without drawing a pair, without using the example of Geraldine Ferraro, who is probably not applicable in, in most ways. Is there any sort of precedent in recent memory for such a such a sort of out of the blue uh, number two pick like this? Well,
8: you you named it, and by the way, she also mentioned uh, Geraldine Ferraro, but you picked it. Walter Mondale in 1984 really thought he had no chance against Ronald Reagan, and he probably didn't. So he picked Geraldine Ferraro as sort of a bold move to try to shake things up. I think that's what's going on here. And as for you know, sort of reaching out and naming somebody that you really probably politically don't like, look who Barack Obama throws around, whose name throws around with frequency. Ronald Reagan. He said in the past he found him a very divisive man. But when he's on the stump, he knows a lot of people voted for Ronald Reagan. Then suddenly Ronald Reagan's an okay guy in Barack Obama's book. Same thing here. This Republican wants to reach out to Hillary Clinton Democrats, so she salutes her in that little
2: speech. It really is, uh, and I know this is just the the, uh, most obvious statement or the understatement or whatever, that, uh, to think that going into, because this is, uh, what is today? Today is the 30th, right? So, I mean, we're just a couple months away from this whole thing sort of coming to fruition. Yeah. And, you know, they made this point, obviously, repeatedly last night. But when you think about the fact that, you know, in a matter of months, we are either going to have a black man as president or a woman as vice president. I mean, that's, you know, that, no matter where you sort of fall in the pantheon, that's, uh, you know, that's pretty cool stuff. That really you is. You know,
8: it really, really is. I agree with you. It is absolutely, really remarkable, you know. And, um, you know, it says something about the United States of America. And, you know, I don't want to get on a patriotic uh, uh, soapbox here. But, you know, the United States, and for some good reason, has taken some licks internationally in recent years for various things that have been said and done. But, you know, Rick, in the end, is there another, can you name me another multi-ethnic democracy on the face of the earth that offers more opportunity, more chances to more people?
2: No, I, you know, and if somebody, well, I, 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 there was a long speech that I heard somebody give where he was making the opposite. He was listing off various other places and countries around the world. And he was noting, you know, nobody nobody really, uh, you don't really see a lot of people sort of leaving the United States and crawling through, you know, uh, crawling through the wilderness or a sewer pipe or something to sneak into a lot of other countries. You know what I
8: mean? This, you this know, country, it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, and I think it's a lot of things. It's something that Americans can be proud of, Barack Obama uh, rising to this. Level within striking distance of becoming the next president of the United States, challenging a guy uh, who was locked in a in a cage for a number of years as a POW. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of goes to show you uh, the metal that uh, this country's made of.
2: And you know, and I will say, this is and see now we're but you were in exactly the right place by the way to get off in some sort of patriotic jag because this that I am because I'm given to the same sort of. Big flowery, bombastic proclamations, but you know, but but it's absolutely true. And the thing when people talk about uh, when people talk about America and they list off the problems, and there are many problems yes. right here in River City and around the country. When people list off the sort of failings of America or the corruption in America, all of that obviously is true. But you know, it's like they used to do in science class, where they would grade you on a curve uh, because it is all very relative. And America, the United States of America, still is in many ways. And this is another, I know you're a busy guy today, so I'll let you go. But it, in many ways, I do feel like the United States of America is sometimes a, this is probably the wrong example to use, but maybe a very loyal, uh, it's like a very loyal pet, a very loyal animal that you see sometimes get knocked around or abused by somebody else. And it just makes you sort of angry because you care for it and you realize that it shouldn't be treated that way and the great potential that it has. And that, I think, is why people get so frustrated and irritated and apathetic and nihilistic because you see the potential, but then you do see, you know, none of the corruption or problems we would, we have in this country would matter if you didn't think the country had the potential to be, right, as, right. as F. Scott Fitzgerald said, the last best hope for the West.
8: We can always aspire to do better, and voting day, folks, is November 4th. That's what I'm saying, my friends.
2: So, uh, you know, it is, uh, it, is still the, it is still the beacon on the hill all right uh well there you go uh, are you uh, big plans for your weekend are you traveling yeah i'm heading out to st paul minnesota on saturday
8: uh out for the republican convention which uh should be interesting i think that uh, this pick of uh sarah palin yeah. sort of is going to energize things and it, uh, it should be interesting there is a threat that they may delay the start of it because of this uh possible hurricane in the gulf
2: right it's uh it, yeah i will say that I don't want to use. That. I was gonna say it's a perfect storm of whatever, but that seems like an that's an unfortunate pun. I don't really mean it that way, but this, but all there's just such a. This almost Aristotelian confluence of events right now that is just. They are all aligning to make this really. I mean, even even after the year. I mean, after the 2000 election, I didn't think anything could really be crazier or more packed with melodrama. But, I mean, this year. Is, this is, we're blowing the doors off this year, my friend. It's unbelievable. All right, travel safe. Well, thank Thanks, you so much, Dick. Thank you. Dick Iuliano, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent.
4: I was trying to remind you to ask him about the.
2: Story. No! Damn you, Kristen Bowie! Hey!
4: You Jimmy. should have just
2: come on the mic and said it.
4: I was trying to be.
2: Low-key about head head it. it. What, have, what have we learned today? Rick Emerson doesn't take hints. Subtlety does not work with me. That's what we've learned. Ah, oh, for the love of... Now nah, i got to go kill myself. All right. Now nah, I've brought shame on my whole family today. All right. I might as well just go home. All right. I don't even think I have my ribbons of shame sounder. Do I even have my ribbons of shame sound effect? Wait, hold on. Where does it... Wait, do you... No, I don't think I... I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I have access to it. Which brings me more shame.
0: There we go. If
2: only, it would have been funnier if I'd had it like 15 seconds ago. I suck. I should be destroyed. All right. Well, whatever. It's uh 503-73. Nah, it's just gonna—it's gonna be like a millstone around my neck for the rest of the day. All right. 503-733-2970. 503. 503- uh, seven three three two nine seventy. But just back on Dickie Liano's point about you know going on as some sort of patriotic, you know, whatever, which is and this is absolutely the place for that. But I saw if you ever seen the um, if you ever seen the Sex Pistols documentary, The Filth and the Fury, uh, which is fantastic by the way. They interviewed John Lydon, uh, alias Johnny Rotten, and he has this great little thing. There's this great moment in that movie, and it really is a moment that just, it just gives me chills even to think about it where they're kind of tracing the rise and fall and implosion of the Sex Pistols. And they have this really nifty device where they don't ever show the Sex Pistols in their current day. They, they only show them in profile. So when you see them interviewed today, you only see them in sort of a black profile. So, you know, you're able to... So when you watch the movie, you can sort of focus on them at the way they were then not unlike how in um, When We Were Kings, which is the Ollie Foreman documentary. You don't ever see them now. Uh, but there's this great thing where they're talking to, to Johnny Rotten about um, God Save the Queen, which is a scandalous song and it had all this uh, controversy, and it was banned by the BBC. And there's this great there's this great Orwellian image uh, from that era where they show like the top ten list or whatever, and the number one is just a blank because the BBC wouldn't acknowledge it. And it just is a very, very powerful, very uh, condemning song. And people thought that they were very, uh, that they weren't patriots, that they were very anti, uh, that they were you know anti-British and that they were really, uh, you know, really railing against their country. And Leiden said this thing about, you know, you don't write God save the Queen because you hate your country. You write God save the Queen because you love your country and you hate what's happening to it. And I think that's why people just get into this mindset of like, F it, nothing matters, because, you know, he's... You know, and, and F. Scott Fitzgerald really uh, wrote about this extensively, where he talked about um, America as being what he called the um, the fresh green breast of the new world, uh, which was sort of the last best hope for humanity and all of that stuff. And, you know, and then you just see it just being, just being kicked around like an old mule, and it just kind of makes you angry enough that you just sort of say, like, sod it. All right. On that happy note, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, CNN radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy. How are you, sir?
9: Rick. Good afternoon. Good Friday
2: to you. So wait, now are you? You are still in the CNN Center, in, or you are in Atlanta still?
9: Yeah, I'm, I'm north of Atlanta right now. I'm, uh, I'm away from the CNN Center.
2: All right. So I can. I can never tell. You're you sort of a man on out on the open road. You're like the CNN Kerouac. I can never quite yeah, tell where you're going to be.
9: I'm, uh, everybody's navigating through speed traps today because they're all out for the holiday travelers. Uh,
2: so and so as we begin the holiday weekend. So where are we at with uh, where are we at with tropical storm Gustav?
9: No, it's uh, going to be moving into the Gulf of Mexico probably by tomorrow. And uh, this thing is going to be a monster. It's going to be a Category 3 hurricane. looks like it's heading toward uh, New Orleans. Uh, At least that's the early estimate right now. Of course, you know, they call it the big cone of uncertainty, you know?
2: Yeah. And, I mean, I guess to, to, to some extent there's not a whole lot that people can do to really prepare for this. In other words, I guess they can, they can pack up and they can sort of get out. But beyond that, as far as the actual physical structures and the things that are there, I mean, you're either ready or you're not. There's not a lot you can do about it, probably.
9: You know, and that's it. If you remember, Rick, remember, I think we talked when I was down there, uh, just when hurricane season was starting and, uh, talked to Ray Nagin, the mayor down there. And, you know, he was pretty honest about the fact that they were going to, uh, you know, look, uh, look at what they did before that didn't work and, uh, they had a plan in place. So they're looking out very, very hard at getting people out of there, and uh, there could be some evacuation orders coming as early as tomorrow. So we'll have to see. I know Mississippi's governor was uh, up a little while ago uh, with a briefing, and, uh, you know, I follow that. He said that, uh, you know, they're going to get some of these people out of trailers uh, starting tomorrow, and especially in these low-lying coastal areas. So, you know, it's it's rough. It really is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things, when you're in one of these things, you're kind of darned if you do and darned if you don't. Because you you know you want to stay, but you really probably shouldn't. And then when you get out, the evacuation process is brutal. I mean, right. it's bumper to bumper, and it's it's terrible.
2: I don't want to. Uh, I don't know. I, I almost hate to bring that. I don't want to be Johnny Buzzkill about it, but it was you know we were still well, it, was three years ago uh, today, and everything it went south. You know that, that have to, you hear all these people who were relocated uh, three years ago after Hurricane Katrina, and they were like in the Astrodome, and they were all over the place, and just. I mean, I almost don't even want to ask this because that's a bigger question you can probably answer, but, you know, it was sort of in the cultural consciousness for a few months, maybe a year, and then it just sort of went away, and I, you, know, you never really hear about whether that stuff was fixed whether those people were taken care of or whether it was just, you know, a problem we all cared about and then kind of forgot about.
9: Well, I can tell you, you know, for some people, they, they were able to rebuild. A lot of other people had problems with insurance, and they're still behind the eight ball, and a lot of people counted on charity to come in and help. And still, uh, you know, uh, Haley Barber, the Mississippi governor, said today, you know, don't don't sit around and wait for the government to step in because they can't help everybody. And he's right. You know, and I think Mississippi fared better. With uh, some of the federal aid that they got, than uh, Louisiana did, quite frankly, you
2: know. All right, uh, heading into your weekend, sir. Be safe, travel, uh, travel safe. Whatever you do, may it be uh, may it be uh, enjoyable and relatively danger free for you. Absolutely. All right. All right, we'll talk to you talk next to you week. Soon. there you go, Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. Hello, Brooke
3: Shields. Thirty-eight million view that speech last night—the highest-rated convention in history.
2: Is that true? Wow. Yep, thirty-eight million. I wonder where 38 million stacks up against some of the, the big TV events of the past. I uh, right
3: here, as a matter of fact. That uh 38.3 million means that Mr. Obama's speech reached more viewers than the Olympics Open ceremony in Beijing, uh-huh. the final American Idol, or Academy Awards this year. Uh, let's see. Uh, so he, he had 38 million. Uh, John Kerry's acceptance speech was 24 million. George W. Bush's campaign speech the same year, 27 million.
2: All right. Well, that does, I guess it doesn't surprise me because they you know that that campaign has really worked the media pretty pretty flawlessly they've really done uh, they've really done a pretty exceptional job of knowing um no know, i don't even want to say the holes but knowing where the sort of knowing where the sort of pressure points are in the media and where you got to lean to sort of get the desired the, the desired effect
3: a lot of people it was in times square even and a lot of they had a lot of local things it
2: was, it was actually was downtown it was here cuz i was uh, i was here last night doing some work late and it was the weirdest thing. So I got to work here. I came back to work last night around seven o'clock, because I'm lame. And I was getting, I was, my whole thing was like, I gotta get inside and I gotta get to the computer because, you know, I, I didn't want to miss the speech. So I wanted to get upstairs and it was watching CNN was streaming it live. Uh, so I wanted to get up to my uh, to my desk. And so I'm pulling in the parking lot and around seven o'clock. And it was the weirdest thing. I get out of the and I I forget who it was that was introducing uh, Barack Obama, but I, I get out of the car and I shut the door, and it's like the, the the car's off and the door's shut, but I'm still hearing the speech and I couldn't figure out from where. And then it was just like this sort of over the hills and far away thing, where it was sort of. And I guess they were doing something at the park. They must have been, because at around ten o'clock, then all of a sudden it's just, boom, 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 and I hear everything, and I'm like, what the hell? And I come down the stairs to ask Court and Fatboy, like, what is that sound? And it turns out they were coming upstairs to ask me what it was. And I guess it was fireworks that they were Oregon
4: throwing off. The Oregon Symphony mm-hmm. had a free concert to kick off their
1: season.
2: Oh, so it was not even related to the Obama thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, well, what do I know? See, there you go. But see, that is like. But that, though, is like how every time anything happens now, we think it's viral marketing for Cloverfield 2 or The Dark Knight. Anytime anything happened last night, I figured it was for Barack Obama. Fireworks must be for Obama. So, well done, Barack. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, When we return, we will kick off the new news hour from Tim Riley, who is accurate 100% of the time. Except when I make things up. Yes. Then it's only 85% of the time. Uh, Later on, we'll do today's uh, top five. Scott Dowley will join us later on. Bob Costantini. Uh, don't forget one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Shield season six on DVD. Don't go anywhere. Here's Alice Cooper.
10: Oh, I can't go to school cuz I ain't got a gun. I ain't got
1: a gun because I ain't got
2: a job. It's happening. Right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into Whimsy. It's 503 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming by. Draw near that ye might learn and be entertained. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. By the way, I'd like to uh, thank Eric, the vending machine guy, uh, for stocking. I'm not saying this is the worst thing for your body that I've ever seen in my life, but really, it's got to be in the top like three. So you remember there was that whole unpleasant episode of my life where I was addicted to that chocolate checks mix, which was like the turtle flavor. Yeah, and. I mean, and then I reached some sort of – it's like that thing when, you you know, like your dad catches you smoking and he shoves you into a closet with a carton of Pall Malls and, like, you can't come out until you've vomited. And so that was – I reached – I had this whole bad, like, lost weekend, days of ro- wine and roses thing where I was in my office here working one weekend and I ate, I swear to you, two of those bags that are like half a pound each. Jesus. That's – exactly. Uh, you know, and at the end you're just sort of wobbling unsteadily on your feet and sort of listing to port and kind of thinking to yourself, oh, God, what have I done? And you see. You know, it's, it's sort of like like in the movies where like the woman takes one too many Quaaludes because she can't remember how many t- she took, and then it's a whole lot of stomach pumping. So that was me with the with the chocolate checks mix, and that was. And then I broke myself of though. That was the good news, bad news was it was a terrible day. But after that, I was like, f this! Like I'm Bunch not. Much of a good thing. I'm not eating any more of these. But now they've stocked this thing. I swear to you, it is now the turtle checks mix candy bar. Right here, holding it in my hand. And, of course, they do that thing in the front. I'm not saying it's a lie, but they do that thing in the front of pulling out the one quasi-healthy thing they can find about it, and they put it in a huge of source of whole grain. It's like so, a
4: Snickers bar claiming it has fiber.
2: Exactly. Or when they have it, I won't say who, but there's somebody I know, and I walked in, and I saw him eating a big, like a full pound-and-a-half bag of candy corn. And I looked at him, and I think I must have just arched an eyebrow as if to say, what are you doing to yourself? And he said, well, I mean, you know, they're non-fat." All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Still to come today, CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini. Later on, top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. Scott Dowley from Film People Radio. We will begin the new news hour in just a moment. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from parts of the World, unknown to me. CNN Radio correspondent and newly minted talk show host Lisa Desjardins. Hello there.
11: Hi. How are you? you, guys? I'm good.
2: So you have just spent uh so you you were there. well, when did you get to Denver?
11: Got to Denver on um uh when was it? Let me Saturday.
2: All right. And so then as of on Monday you started to you were doing like a daily sort of a a talk show thing
11: oh, a couple yeah. hours
2: every day about the convention, right?
11: Yeah, it's crazy with um Roland Martin and it was it's really I fish out of water bizarre it just and then today we did this show and Roland Martin actually uh, didn't didn't show up, didn't dial in. So uh, just me for the first hour and a half, pretty hilarious, I have to say. Well, here's
2: the thing, and, I, and maybe I, I mean, I suppose I theoretically or in actuality ought to know this, but uh, I was looking for it. I was actually working late last night, and I was just sort of here doing some stuff with a speech going in the background and taking care of some errands. And I was looking on the CNN website to try to listen to that, but I guess it was it was like it only like it wasn't archived anywhere. Like you had to sort of hear it when it was happening.
11: Yeah, so far you know they're just trying this out. So you got You got to tune in when it's happening, essentially, which is during your show. So, you know, if I could have listened to your show during our show, I probably would have. Well, thank although, you. I, yeah, although we had a good time.
2: So this okay. was a, so it was two hours every day. Now, were you? I, I only asked this out of just professional interest. Now, were you? Were you taking phone calls? Was it guests? Yes. What was the two hours? What did it consist of?
11: Taking phone calls, taking emails. We had guests. The guests ranged uh, dramatically from uh, Charles Barkley and kind of Spike, Spike Lee to, you know, the governor, former governors of, you know, whatever whatever state you want to name, uh, politicians. It, it was a pretty wide spectrum.
2: Please tell me that there is a photograph or perhaps an audio recording of you standing next to or interviewing either Charles Barkley or Spike Lee.
11: Yeah, there is, there is a photograph of me with Charles Barkley. That and is it was, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty crazy. It was cool.
2: I have to say this about Roland Martin, though. I was just talking about him the other day. I forget what night it was. I think it might have been maybe Tuesday night. He was wearing the best outfit I've ever seen anybody wear at any political event. Was he, that the pink on pink? Dude, it was unreal. It was like some sort of, I mean, it was like a Fire Island Godfather. I mean, seriously, like black, there's just no other way to put it, like a black Corleone suit, white pinstripes, and then a what appeared to be either silk, satin, or maybe sharkskin pink shirt, pink tie on it. Yes, yes. It was like the most righteous thing I have ever yes, seen on any know. news channel
11: what amazes me cuz he sits right next to me is his cufflinks are out of control like he has <laughs> one day he had these um kind of like uh like encrusted like gem encrusted salmon or some kind of fish and then the other then the other day he had these huge turquoise coco chanel uh <laughs> cufflinks that was that i had to bring up on air because i was just amazed by them see
2: and there's you know there's only so, there's only so many folks in this world that can kind of pull off that look <laughs> i mean you know if i tried to dress ah, that way i there's just, no i mean if if, if if at any point i attempted i would look like one of those i'd look like one of those trashy guys who's always at the mall trying to tell you a dale earnhardt touch lamp i mean <laughs> all right so yes. uh, so you are so you're traveling today and then what is what is in the next week for you are you going are you going to the republican convention or yeah, are you
11: going to the republican convention okay. and you know it's it's been wild and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we can connect more next week i know you guys got a lot going on just because it's Every day, these right. conventions are just so wild. Well, would you... so, now we've got all this news, Sarah Palin, the new vice president, and Barack Obama's big speech last night. Right. Well, so, would you yeah. would,
2: would you like to share with everybody the uh, saucy email exchange uh, that we had last <laughs> night?
11: Bring it up, yes. I was a little bit uh, salty.
3: All
2: right. So here's – I've actually got it right here. Let me read it. I've got it, I've got it in my hand. Not that I dwell on these things. All right, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a crazy obsessive guy, but hey, I've got your email to me right here. So <laughs> last night, now let me just get a little backstory. So Sarah Dillon is on vacation this week. Also, the CNN guest booker this week, who I'm sure is a nice person. Her name is Kristen. What Liz? Liz. Yeah. Liz. Liz, who is either new or a temp, or quite possibly yeah, both. She's
11: new. Yeah. And the, new. I'm not
2: saying she's not capable, but I'm saying.
11: She's, ner- she's a little nervous Nellie. And
2: right. she doesn't really know the ebb and flow uh, of yeah, how we yeah. sometimes interact with you guys. And yeah. I know that you were, according to the prep sheet, you were off the clock by the time we come on the air.
11: Yeah. So, so, you know, it's funny because it really wasn't true, actually. But, yeah, they, they were trying to protect me. Yeah. Know, they,
2: they sort of pass along this fiction that you don't want to talk to us. And before you had even headed to Denver, you would said, hey, like, well, we got it, we to hook up. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to be working. Whatever. And the, But then we have the, the new booker at CNN, and Sarah's gone, and she's the one who really knows how to game that system. She knows how to sort of grease the appropriate palms at CNN. And let us also say by one final piece of backstory here, that in the past, there's been more than one incident where we have contacted you directly, or we've done some back channel yeah. thing to get you on the air, and then right. we get a long, scolding <laughs> email or phone call or both from your boss, who I don't wish to yeah. irritate. Yes. So I sent Lisa this email last night, which I thought was very sort of polite and even-keeled. And I said, hey, Lisa, Flat first sentence, don't want you to think we're ignoring you this week. And then I say, between Sarah being on vacation and there being a new person at the booking desk, didn't seem like the right time to try some roundabout method of getting you on the show. Plus, you've got bigger fish to fry being a new talk show host and all that. If you're able to talk on Friday, great. If not, we look forward to getting your thoughts next week. I would say on the scale of 1 to 10 in terms of courtesy and maybe forthrightness, oh
11: really? I'd say that's a good
2: 9, 9.2.
11: All right, maybe. Here's the answer that
2: I get back 90 seconds later from Lisa. It says, I'm not even reading this until tomorrow. Where have you been? Yes, I know the answer is likely below, and I will feel like a jerk, but I'm doing my best to be miffed right now. No signature, no thanks, no goodbye. You don't write, you don't send flowers, you know, whatever. So... I don't want you to think I'm dwelling, but I'm—I've been dwelling.
11: <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, the good news is, like, I think one of us was going to harbor resentment today, and um, it's you. <laughs> I was—I was, <laughs> I was like,
2: just doing my best not to get anybody in trouble.
11: No, you know, I because I've missed you guys, and I said, why aren't they trying to get me on air? I don't understand. Because the truth, the way this convention uh-huh. has worked, is I'm doing the morning drive, but then I'm also doing the evening convention. So I really have just been working straight through all these days and uh and and i yeah I probably could have communicated that you but
2: if if only there the, were some what? way you could have gotten in touch with us if only there was some funny. sort of device
11: I, <laughs> well, and here's the other thing that really went into last night is is i I had not slept in more than um about two days i, I you know I have like maybe two half hour naps that didn't work out perfect, but um, I really hadn't slept in quite a while and And I think that my anger in general at at that which probably uh uh focused on you maybe a little. Maybe a little, maybe my lack of sleep. Is that a legitimate excuse? Because I think it was a real factor.
2: I no, no, no. I I suppose I'm willing to I'm willing to move past it, Rick Emerson and can... I feel, uh, you know,
11: you guys have become a little bit like like the way Starbucks sells itself as like like comfort. You know, you go to Starbucks and ah, oh, I've got my Starbucks coffee. The truth is that that's how what you guys have become to me. Oh, right? see now, see how
2: you're doing now. I see this little verbal jujitsu that you're doing right now. Now you're trying to make me feel terrible. You're trying now. You are trying to make me feel worse than I already do.
11: No, I'm just trying to get out get out of a hole that i dug mission
2: accomplished <laughs> now i feel now i feel like a tool right. <laughs> no, well
11: it, the, so no,
2: it's, anyway we were don't you know feel like a
11: tool don't feel bad it's all good i just there, It was just a bad moment and i was and it, i had just been like working and i still had so much stuff to do and i was just like all
2: right well and that's what happened okay well i'm well i'm sorry we had this misunderstanding i just (laughs) i was trying i was trying to make sure that nobody got any harshly worded emails from anybody (laughs) whose whose email address ends in at (laughs) cnn.com
11: no and in fact you'll be happy to know that Tyler uh, is sitting right next to me. And I was like, hey, can I go on C- on KCMD today? And he said, yeah, sure. Right. So, well,
2: uh, well, let me just – so. so a couple things. I know you're, you're probably – the irony is you're probably busy with a bunch of stuff right now. But I, let me ask you just uh, – yeah. so I know that this is an impossible question to answer. But to the best of your ability, can you describe sort of the general tone or tenor of A, the week, and B, mm-hmm. the moment when Barack Obama says, I accept your nomination for the presidency of the United States?
11: Oh, geez! Yeah, everyone's using the same word, but I think it's right. It, it, that was electric. I mean, it was really incredible. And in Mile High Stadium, we were sitting in the visiting coach's box. We're looking at the 50-yard line. The whole place is jumping up and down with American flags. And I think the big deal about this week is that Democrats kind of learned how to, how to have the perfect convention with just the right amount of crazy drama and just the right amount of emotion. Um, I kind of think, for me, the emotional highlight, though, was when – Hillary Clinton came to the floor and asked for the convention right. uh, to vote as a whole. And I have to tell you, I have never seen to talk about the tone. At Monday was kind of your your normal day. People were partying, wearing their crazy glitter vests and big giant hats from Guam. Uh, but after that, things changed and got more emotional very fast. And honestly, by Wednesday, you could you could <laughs> I would walk over to the hall and I would say to someone. What do you think this week means to you? And then they would just start sobbing. <laughs> it was, it was it a was And when Hillary Clinton did that, I was walking around and people were weeping—men and women just weeping—and it was kind of bizarre. I think it was as as they were playing—I uh, don't know—some sort of Aretha Franklin songs. It was really—it was all kind of strange and uh, over the top. Um, but yeah, they were—they were. They were Really raw emotions
2: there. I mean, at this point, I mean, it's just that I got so many thoughts that there'd be no point to try to even, even cram them in. So I, I will simply ask you this: uh, What is your? I don't know. What is your read? What is your read on on McCain and and yeah. uh, picking? Uh, was it Sarah Palin? Is that her name?
11: Sarah Palin. That's it. First yep, of all, did it. they
2: delay this announcement so that they wouldn't, so that the uh, Obama camp wouldn't be able to work in any mentions of it?
11: Yes. Yeah, Well, they wanted today, so that we wouldn't be talking about his speech that so we'd be talking about them
2: to diffuse the to diffuse the news cycle
11: yes, right. exactly. Uh, um you know not everyone agrees with me as i as I know from this talk show that I have now uh, but, but I think I think this was a, a really smart pick for for McCain. I think he's got a problem now because he's gone after Barack Obama so much on experience, and he picks this incredibly inexperienced uh, woman only two year governor from Alaska. But, uh, I think, I think he does, he may have some women voters kind of thinking about it, but moreover, and again, other people disagree with me on this, but I think, uh, what he has done is he has gotten conservatives back in the game because she is very staunchly against right. any kind of abortion rights, and the emails are crazy. I mean, these guys, it, it's like, it's like Michael Jordan is coming out of retirement. They are so stoked about this nomination, and those are the guys that get everybody out to the polls, so it makes me think that, um, In November, it's going to be a good move. But, you know, the other thing, though, is that she could be be, uh, kind of rolled over by Joe Biden in the debate. That could be fascinating. Or, you know, he could be seen as the mean guy going after the woman. I don't know.
2: Here's the thing. I'm going to say this right now. Uh, You can pass along this observation as your own if you'd like think because there was you know, a lot of talk on both sides of the aisle when when they 're nominated and win or looked like things weren 't going their way they well i 'm going to stay I might even support the other ticket rather than support this, you know, the person who i didn 't want <laughs> right. to whatever right. and of course that never happens and, and you know what it is it 's like Star Wars fans who every time a new star wars and I count myself among this group every time a new Star Wars product has come out since one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine it's just like we sort of do this preemptive like washing of our hands. Where we say, well, that's it. George Lucas has betrayed my trust for the last <laughs> time. He won't be getting my $10 ever again. You know, and then like you, Gilligan's Island style, go do-do-do-do-do-do. And he fast forward to me waiting in line for nine hours uh, to see, you know, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so you know, no matter what anybody said before about being sidelined or benching themselves, uh, everybody, as, as Pat Buchanan said, regardless of what we might say about unity or loyalty, at the end of the night, you divide the house and you want the bigger half on your side, and everybody realizes you've got to get off the bench to do that so right all right, That's right. That's um, it is. Yeah. okay as we wrap this up final question uh, actually two things uh, so will we be able to talk to you next week either in uh, an official capacity or not
11: yes i i i say yes yeah and we'll tyler and i'll talk about it we'll try all to right. figure out what you,
2: works you just love rick emerson Know the best way to accomplish that yeah and yeah and, yeah and finally uh finally observe uh, what are your top two observations and or whatever's about your week as a talk show host
11: Oh, geez, it's such a weird world. It's a really weird situation. And uh there was a conservative talk show host, a guy named Michael Graham, that was on our show one day, and I ran into him the next day. And I said, hey, you were great. Thanks a lot. And, he, and I said, how do you think it went? And he's like, yeah, you know, um, your news instinct, and I was ready for him to say, you know, is really dead on. But instead he said, <laughs> really gets in the way. And, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely feel a little bit like um." I, uh, yeah, like it's not—it's not normal. It's not—it's not quite natural to me. I you know,
2: Lisa, it's... your instinct to present facts and information in a logical, <laughs> accurate way is really a hindrance, and I would urge you to have that polished away. Yes, right.
11: and I had a tendency because I knew this to like. Anytime Tyler would give me a comment, I would way overreact. You know, like he would say, "You need to." Give our call screener more time to give to the caller because initially would be like, hey, let's go to Denver right now, Jane, you know, and the <laughs> call screener couldn't like find who it was and it was this big giant pod. And so he's like, hey, you know, just give him some time. So then I would do something. It would be like, hey, we're going to go to Denver, the city where the Broncos play, the city of the mountains. We're going to go to someone in Denver with a female name, starts with J. Learning how to vamp,
2: that's what you're doing right there. Yeah, it
11: was hilarious. Well,
2: maybe they ought to give you like a weekend gardening show just to like hone your craft a little bit, you know what I mean?
11: Maybe. You know, or like
2: uh, Lisa Desjardins' Tradio, where like a guy calls up and he's willing to swap a couch, you know, for like a a brand new set of uh, kitchen knives.
11: Yeah, right. I, I I would try
2: it, sure. All right, well, uh, travel safe. We'll talk to you next okay. week, and uh, okay. and I and I and I apologize for the misunderstanding last oh, night, and if are I was so and if yeah. I seemed overly brusque in my response, I did not intend to be so. No,
11: and I did feel like a jerk by the way this morning, but now I think we're all good. Excellent.
2: All right, everything's going <laughs> according to plan. All right, thank you, Lisa. Okay, thank there you, go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, wonderful. All right. Hi, Tim. I'm sorry. It's like four o'clock, and we haven't gotten anything. Else. Not a problem. Terrible person. Yeah, it was all this, uh, it was all this awkwardness last night, and I'm glad we because I sent her the email. I'm like, hey, you know, we weren't ignoring you. You know, we were just trying to do the. And literally, like 90 second, like she, clearly she had the BlackBerry in her hand. and was, you know, a little crazed. Like 90 seconds later, she's like, whatever. I'm working on being angry right now. I'm not even reading this. Goodbye. You know, like, uh, okay. All very awkward. But now it's better. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about to become better still. This is Tim Riley.
12: It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry
3: of Truth, this is Tim Riley. New News brought to you by Lakes Auto Collision Center. Find the collision repair. Go to Lifes.com. Find out what lace can do for you. Thirty-eight million, watch Obama's speech. It is the highest-rated convention in history. It reached more viewers than the Olympics opening ceremony in Beijing, the final American Idol, and the Academy Awards this year. So it was the biggest effort. So let's get right into uh, some of the highlights of the speech, where he says uh, he is pledging for some real change after President Bush's two terms. The failure to respond is a direct
12: result of a broken politics in Washington and the failed policies of George W. Bush.
3: And uh, Barack says uh, there has to be some middle ground on abortion, so he's moving closer to the center. We may not agree on abortion,
12: but surely we can agree on reducing the number of unwanted pregnancies in this country.
3: That's right. And, um... He wants a middle ground on guns, too. The reality
12: of gun ownership may be different for hunters in rural Ohio than they are for those played by gang violence in Cleveland, but don't tell me we can't uphold the Second Amendment while keeping
3: AK-47s out of the hands of criminals. Say he's no liberal. Uh, he says Americans are hurting more today than ever.
12: More Americans are out of work, and more are working harder for less. More of you have lost your homes, and even more are watching your home values plummet.
3: Obama says he knew that the war in Iraq would distract America from the real threats we face.
12: When John McCain said we could just muddle through in Afghanistan, I argued for more resources and more troops to finish the fight against the terrorists who actually attacked us on 9-11.
3: John McCain has voted with President Bush nearly 90% of the time.
12: Senator McCain likes to talk about judgment, but really, what does it say about your judgment when you think George Bush has been right more than 90% of the time?
3: He'll be talking about his record uh, next week at the Republican National Convention.
12: We'll also hear about those occasions when he's broken with his party as evidence that he can deliver the change that we need. But the record's clear. John McCain has voted with George Bush 90% of the time.
3: There must be great change in America.
12: I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to take a 10% chance on change.
3: And here's the part I missed apparently, uh, Al Gore spoke last night, and he said the GOP is run by outside forces. The special
9: interests who have come to control the Republican Party are so powerful that serving them and serving the national well-being are now irreconcilable choices.
2: So, all right, so uh, I don't know, I don't know, we've probably got a billion more soundbites uh, to get to uh today but um uh but you so you That's said of it. but you say it was a But lo- it was a long build for you but you felt by the end it by the satisfying. end of the night or by the end of the week or both both, both, both. That it went to it went to a higher place?
3: I mean, Democrats are known for screwing everything up. They didn't. This it's doesn't.
2: true. Democrats love to lose, man. They got They have. They have a fetish for losing, and not just losing, but losing either. Here's the. Here's in my opinion. This is just, well, their problem is they want to be kind and understanding. You don't win elections that way. That's exactly the thing, right? I mean, it's it's, people in the butt. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's. I got all these different aphorisms fighting for space in my head right now, but I will say that. You know, all of those qualities uh, that we sort of pretend to admire in the American spirit, you know, like generosity and honesty and caring and, you know, kindness and charity and what all of all yeah. the things that we that we sort of claim to love. I mean maybe we do love those as somebody once said we admire the idea of those things but we admire the result and the product and the outcome of like greed and avarice and you know selfishness and cruelty because that's really what it takes to get ahead that really is that really is what it takes to win and democrats are just spineless uh, generally speaking they're just such it's like a whole party of beta males I are mean, just incapable of asserting themselves or really being confrontational or uh, uh, aggressive at, at any time at all. Uh, you know. And it was weird last night to watch this. And don't get me wrong, I mean, like, this week has been, I mean, especially if you graded them like a Democratic curve, because they are just masters of just shooting themselves in both feet and then falling over into a big pile of, you know, doom. Mm-hmm. Watching it last night, you would see these sort of reminders of the way the Democrats usually operate, sort of wandering around. I'm looking at you, Michael Dukakis, who just has is, is continued, uh, he just... He's always sort of looked like a troll doll, but even more so now because he's just kind of got the weird gray hair and whatever. But you look at Michael Dukakis, and then you listen to Barack Obama speak, and you realize exactly how much the Democratic Party has been able to reinvent themselves Mm -hmm. because almost never, I think Bill Clinton may have been the most recent exception to this, almost never would you look at the Democratic Party and think like, that's a group of people that is really going to step up and get things done. Mm -hmm. And you don't. You just think about there's a group of people who are going to get to the finish line and then make sure that they fumble at the last moment.
3: Breaking news.
2: Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, uh, wait. We'll call that a breaking news.
3: On the third anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, FEMA has announced Gulf states' evacuations will begin tomorrow due to Gustav. Not like Gustav and
2: diarrhea, but uh, Tropical Storm Gustav. (laughs) Gustav's making everybody leave the city. Mm -hmm. People are getting in their cars, driving as far away from Gustav as they can. Gustav will ruin everything. That is all. This is right and good. He'll destroy your home and your family. All right.
3: So anyway, this could be fate, and this could ruin the Republican
2: convention. No, but okay. So where is Gustav hitting, and where is the Republican convention? Because I don't know much about geography, but I—it seems like they're not in the same place. No. So wh- I don't understand to why. I feel the buzz. I oh, nobody's gonna care. Look, don't get me wrong. I don't mean this. In the, look, I know hurricanes are bad, and loss of home and life and whatever, but I know how the American public operates. One bad hurricane every ten years is years—about all we can take. Nobody's going to care about it this time around. Really, I mean, it's just that's not. It's going to be we the, the cup in our head marked caring about hurricanes full. I don't think there's any room for anybody to to care about another. Just because you get yourself so worked up as a nation, and you invest so much of the time and energy, and you're watching television, and you're donating ten dollars, and Kanye West is screaming you about at you about it on television. And three years later, I think people are still sort of we're, we're you know what it is? It's like how. Um, like, it's like with the global warming thing, and I'll tie this back to Al Gore in a second. Mm-hmm. There was this, to my way of thinking, I, it seems like I could sense a palpable lessening of the energy last night when Al Gore said, "And we've got to do something about global warming." And it was like, "I got to, I got to do something about going to the beer garden." And they just everybody gets up and it's Al Gore talking about gr- being green last night and climate change. I noticed they don't say global warming anymore; they say climate change. That's a little bit of new speak they've done right there. That's like how that's like how. Um, shell shock and, and battle fatigue are now post-traumatic stress disorder because it's less scary sounding. Um, so they don't say global warming. They say climate change or concerns for the environment. But when it's like when a band says, here's something from our new record you don't care about. That's when Al Gore was talking about global warming last night. You could sort of sense everybody kind of go, eh, this is sort of an imperceptible shrug. She he doesn't shrug. pull out another PowerPoint. <laughs> she totally have. He totally should have. As you can see, chart number one, shows the mean global barometric pressure in 1908. The next slide is a picture of a bear. The third slide is a pie chart that has nothing to do with the other two.
4: Let's call that a documentary.
2: But because I'm telling you this in forceful tones, you will believe everything I am saying and pass it along at cocktail parties. Next slide, please. By the way, the Republican conventions in Minneapolis, Saint Paul, so begins Monday. So they're only worried that the hurricane is going to kill the news cycle.
3: Well, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Why do they care about
2: the American people? They didn't it the first time around. No, I was going to say they're not. They're not I was, so the Republicans are not really worried about any of the actual destruction that might come down. Well, it's not going to kill the news cycle either. This is just. It, it, this is we are right now entering. The tunnel that is heading out into the field for the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the World Series, all of that at once. Is, nothing's going to knock politics off the front page for the next two months. It's not going to happen. Uh, I have a few notes last night. Should I do them now, Tim, or, or should yes, I? Yes, please do them now. Don't wait. <laughs> I can never tell when you're winding me up and when you really care about what I have to no, say. Oh, I do care. I always do. See, but right there, that uh, that's just another example where you, I think you may be, I think that may be a lie wrapped inside a mistruth, Tim. All right.
3: I don't wrap my lies
2: inside of anything. <laughs> um, you just polish them and send them on out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just got these random notes from last night, uh, and we'll talk more about this uh, later on and probably after this. So Gore, um, well, Gore's obviously those those speaking fees are obviously helping Al Gore to eat pretty well. Somebody needs to loosen the collar on the next uh, suit he wears. I think that soup might have looked good maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 pounds ago. I mean,
3: you know, John Edwards is going to get $65,000 to speak at uh, Illinois University this fall. Really? Yeah, I don't know what he's going to talk about.
2: Well, you know, $65,000 doesn't matter. I mean, you know, really, for, for $65,000, you speak in 90 minutes or something?
3: I'll hold a single log. I mean, th- th- yeah, I'm
2: serious. Look, if somebody wanted to offer me $65,000 to burn myself with cigarette butts for an hour and a half, sold. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you just call my people. Just
4: to avoid the Q&A.
2: Exactly. Well, you know, well, maybe, you know what? but what? he was a trial lawyer. He can totally spin and obfuscate and whatever. And you know what? Even if they turn on him and boo and throw tomatoes, whatever, he's got sixty-five large in his pocket. What does he care uh, so Al Gore's suit was good. Al Gore was good. Al Gore in the suit. Bad. Uh, what else do we have here? Observation. Oh, I have an observation about this is not just about the Democrats, but about uh, political uh, conventions in general. You know what political conventions are? What? Political conventions are like. It is like, uh, you know, in Friday Night Lights, there's this great scene uh, in the ter- series, a great scene where the father is talking to his daughter who's starting the date. And he wants to bottom line it and give her, like, the talk about boys, like, as quickly and as honestly as possible. And he does this great speech, but it's, like, five sentences long, basically. And he just says, all boys are ever thinking about is sex and how to get you to have sex with them. And they will lie and cheat and steal and say anything it takes to get you into bed. And that's the truth. And nothing they say beyond that is real. Just know that. And, like, that's the end of the speech. And that's really what political conventions are, right? This is something, within ten years, we will end our dependence on oil. Lie. Uh, you know, within 10, we will stop global warming. Lie. Within 10, we will have health care forever. Lie. But everybody's up there going, "That's ah, it's fantastic. No, I think he really means it this time. No, no, no. I think, I think the last five boyfriends or candidates that I heard, no, no, no. They were telling fibs, but this guy, no. I think this guy might be the one he really means. And meanwhile, your friends are sitting there going, look, Janice, you always pick exactly the role. What makes you think this guy's gonna be any different? Well, I don't know, but you know, it's just like the way he holds me and you just you don't know him like I know him. I mean, it's like I, I know that he seems like he's just another guy, but he's he's really not. I mean, it's you I mean, sometimes when we're I mean and he lost his mother when he was really young, so it's like he's sensitive and he really knows, you know I mean he really knows how to talk to me and I just uh you know, I think he could be, the, you know, and then he fast forward to six months, he's wrecked your credit and your car, and he's run off with your mom. And that's what, that's what these are, right? It's just another series of guys trying to get the people into bed. Uh, and it's going to be the same thing next week. Let's see what else. Did you hear that Barack Obama intro film, which was genius, yeah. A, put together by Steven Spielberg. Oh, I didn't really? Know. Steven Spielberg did that. And then it was narrated by the guy who was Edward R. Murrow in Good Night and Good Luck, David Strathairn. Uh, which is a great little subliminal, like, where do I recognize that voice? It sounds like Edward R. Murrow. I should believe this. So that was a great thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, speaking of things we got to put a moratorium on. So we talked about that, the born in the USA, and as and said, the memo goes up, but nobody reads it. Can we please, and I'm only going to do half my notes here. Um, this is my last note. We'll do the rest later, because I don't wish to be piggish about this. this. My final note here, can we please, please, for the love of sweet zombie Jesus, can we please... Stop using the word fat cats, please. Knock it off. I
3: didn't even notice that.
2: Barack Obama said it like that. He goes, Change is not for just the fat cats. And it's like it just makes my skin crawl off my body. Uh, all right. The only thing worse is if you do the full album version of that and you say fat cats in Washington. But, I mean, fat cats really. Anytime Patty and Selma on The Simpsons keep talking about something and using that phrase, you know it's time to move on. All
3: right. Here's Tim Riley. Guess who's 50. Uh,
2: Madonna. No, she already is. Uh, who's 50? Today. Michael Jackson. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. He was on uh, Good
3: Morning America doing
2: a telephone interview today.
3: Oh, I'll just have to case with my children and just probably watch some cartoons.
2: Okay, first of all, oh, this should have been a Jackson watch.
3: I suppose it could have been. You, what want, it to, is? you want to do it again? Sure. Let's do it from the, the
2: beginning. Again. Here's your Jackson watch, uh... uh It's a brand new story we've never reported before, Tim. Michael Jackson celebrates
3: his 50th birthday today. Really? In a telephone interview with Good Morning America, the King of Pop. I wonder if that's still true. The no. King of Pop says he plans to mark the milestone by just relaxing, listening to James Brown and helping his three children enjoy their childhood. Oh, I'll
13: just have some tape with my children and just probably
1: watch some cartoons.
3: Creepy. Michael Jackson tells Good Morning America his career is far from over. I'm
5: uh, looking forward to doing a lot of great things, but that's hard. I think the best
2: is yet to come, in my true, humble opinion. Whatever. So where is he even being interviewed? Do we know? No. I don't think, you know, what's I sad is, no. you know what I should have... I think he's in
3: Vegas, isn't he, or L.A., one of those
2: places. Well, there was that thing where they caught him coming out of some... I mean, I caught him, but I mean, he was photographed, you know, on the street or in some... Some casino or something the other day. He was out, of, you know, out in front of some resort, and it was weird because he was all covered up, you know, because his face falls off. But then his kids weren't covered, and for a long time, his kids were all masked up, but they're not anymore. You know what? I really should have gotten again for this. I've I've lost them. And I've never bothered to replace them. Is that is those Jackson cuts from the E.T. Uh, companion LP, where he says like. He put them in his mouth and they were delicious. And no, then he I giggled. That what happened? To yeah, that? I, you know, I did when. Well, when that was my favorite thing on the show. I know when they when the uh, when they gave me a new computer in here, I failed uh, to back. I failed to back up, and I backed up to fail. I failed to back up a lot of the audio cuts, and so now and those, those are some of the ones I lost, which is uh, I weep for those. So Michael Jackson is um, Michael Jackson is fifty, which is I guess
3: as is Prince and Madonna.
2: You know, I guess I thought he was 50, like Madonna, I guess I thought he was 50 a long time ago. That could have been true, too. I mean, there there really is, I don't mean to sound morbid about this, and I wish Michael Jackson a long life and the best of health, but I wish we could skip to the end sometimes where he's dead, because... I want to find, I mean, I want to get as close to the real story about that guy as you possibly can, and you're never going to get it while he's alive. It's going
3: to be like the JFK assassination.
2: You'll never know. We'll have to to put together the Jackson Commission, and they'll sit there and they'll investigate it. I just, it's like with Graceland. You know, when you tour Graceland, and I never have, but it's it's on my list of things to do. When you tour Graceland, you get to go through some of the, the houses, you know, where the king lived, but then they won't let you go into the places you really care about. You can't go into his bedroom, and then you can't go into Elvis's bathroom. And that really is the thing I want to see, because that's where he died, you know, died on the toilet, suffocated in shag carpet, which is really the most American way to die. But that's what you want to see. But even now, there are so many layers of secrecy and bureaucracy around Elvis because of Priscilla Presley, you're never going to get the real deal. And so it is with Jackson. So it's very frustrating. Well, that's the yeah. There's your Jackson watch for uh, Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. John-
3: Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. So now they're telling us that uh, Gustav is now a Category 1
2: hurricane with winds near 75 miles an hour. Gustav has to be stopped, Mm -hmm. whatever it takes. Yes. Gustav needs to be taken care of, Mm -hmm. whatever that might require. Here's Tim Riley. So back to politics now. With uh, several thousand supporters
3: cheering him on, John McCain introduced Alaska Governor Sarah Palin as his Republican presidential running mate in Dayton, Ohio. Palin says Americans expect politicians to run for all the right reasons.
4: The people of America expect us to seek public office and to serve for the right reasons. And the right reason is to challenge the status quo and to serve the common good.
2: Wow, maybe she and Hillary can get together and have a shrill-off somewhere.
3: She's not as bad.
2: She's not as bad, but... But, you know, that's only the first day you've heard her, Tim. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you yeah, think.
3: She Sometimes
2: you, Sometimes you look at something and you think, you know, after the three years, I can live with this. And then with every passing day, it becomes worse.
3: So they have five children. Track, who is 19. You expect the second to be Field, wouldn't you? But, you yeah. know, it's Bristol, who's 17. Willow, uh, what are these? A bunch of hippies. Willow, 14. Piper, 7. And Trigg, who was born last April. Trig. Trig. T R I. She raising a
2: family of ponies. I don't
3: know. All right. So that's
2: it. And well.
3: She says, uh, "John McCain has every quality needed in a president."
4: We are expected to govern with integrity and goodwill, and clear convictions, and a servant's heart. No leader in America has shown these qualities so clearly as Senator John F. McCain. Yeah, you know,
2: I have to move my headphones just a little bit. No, just, just now, no lie, as, she, as you were playing that sound clip of her, I did something I almost never do because I'm deaf, so who cares? I went over and I turned my headphones down as low as I could get them while still being able to hear it just now. And that was, how long was that sound, by 12 seconds? Yeah. Yeah. Twelve seconds. Oh, no, eleven. Eleven seconds. I had to turn my headphones down by about eighty percent just to be able to listen to that.
3: It, it, and can you imagine being disobedient to her as a child? Uh, no, this, no, no, Tim. No, I can't. You she, just go home. Outside to be frostbitten like the moose. Oh,
2: yeah. She's going home and she's just pulling out the potted plant and showing the showing the maid how you're really supposed to clean this floor. Uh, but yeah, it's just a you know. I mean, whatever here's the thing, and this is not just for her. I felt a little bit of this uh, this week at the, at the Democratic convention as well. Some of the speakers more so than others, and even a little bit with Barack, although I notice he's modulated a little bit. One of the things that people, I say with all my vast political knowledge, one of the things that I think people, they have to do, people have to learn to modulate and to learn how to inflect rather than just shouting everything. And I mean, maybe I look at it in a different perspective. In radio, I was talking to Chris Paddock about this, this morning. You know, in radio, you know, you really do have to, you really have to think about that because, you know, Tom Leikus talks about this all the time. Where you know, you're speaking to however however many people, and you know, but you got you got to talk to the one guy who's sitting in his car. You can talk to the, the one person who's you know, listening to the podcast, or the one one person at their cubicle, and. You sort of take it as read that all of the 75,000 people in the stadium are behind Obama and they're behind the Democrats, but he's not really talking to them, you know, just like she's not talking to whoever's there because they're – screw them. They're not going to vote for McCain anyway. So, you know, you're talking to some dude who's sitting on his sofa at home and he's got a big bag of Fritos and he's wondering whether to watch King of Queens or not. You know, and if you just come on the screen, I say to you now – and you're just like – no, no.
4: Especially if you're a woman, because it's so hard with a lady's voice.
2: So yeah, I didn't want to say that. that. You yet. can say that because you're a woman, Kristen. I didn't want to. I didn't want to make that observation because I don't know that it's always true either. But I, I will say this: that whether this is a little bit of societal indoctrination, whether this is a little bit of whether uh, whether this is some sort of ingrained double standard or sexism, I don't know. But I will say, a guy who shouts a lot. Sometimes because it just comes off as maybe bullying or excitable. A woman who shouts a lot, if she's not really careful, just comes off as somebody you don't ever want to hear again. Mm-hmm. You she just... might have a
3: pile of kids, too. She might be used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I will come up there right now!
2: Uh, she doesn't sound like somebody you really want to get on the wrong side of, though. Especially, and boy, can you already see how often we're going to have to see some stupid thing of her out, like shooting a moose? Mm-hmm. No, look at me. I can be a politician. Bam! Watch me kill a thing with a gun. All right, it's Tim Riley. We'll do uh, one more. We'll break and try to catch up here.
3: All right. Uh, there's a new motion picture out entitled Babylon A.D. It opens in theaters today. Vin uh, Diesel is uh, one of the stars. I asked Vin uh, why he wanted to do this
2: film in particular. I
5: went she out. is an outsider to Washington politics.
3: That's not Vin Diesel. <laughs> Uh, ben.
2: He, it is true, though. He is an outsider. Yeah. He prides himself on that.
3: Uh, why did you want to do this uh, film, Babylon, E. D.
12: This film was an opportunity to return to the sci-fi world, the sci-fi genre, but by way of uh, French auteur's perspective, which was kind of interesting and, and different than what I traditionally do.
3: I guess the money was good, too. Uh-huh.
2: It, does it, Ben Diesel have a little bit of a lisp? I never really noticed that before. Sounds like he has a little problem with that sibilant S. It could be. All right.
3: Also in this motion picture are Michelle Yeoh, Lambert Wilson, Mark Strong, and Melanie Theory. Who was asked, uh, how do you feel finally being in a big-budget movie after all these years?
14: It's just great for a young French actress to arrive on this kind of set because it's huge, because it's just amazing. It's just great to wake up every morning and to know that today it's going to be this ski chase and tomorrow it's going to be this explosion. And it's so exciting and it's very unusual in your life to do this kind of movie.
3: Just another vapid actress.
2: I was just going to say... Just waiting for nobody to look so she can shove her face at the pastry cart, probably. Hi, ah, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. What's up? How are you? I'm hey. fantastic.
15: Uh, I know you don't do politics too much, but, you know, the uh, thing about the uh, vice presidential selection for Mr. McCain, you yes. know, Miss Allen, uh, she, she's she got five kids, which is why she has a shrill voice.
2: Wait, hold on. Does she have five kids or four? Five. 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 All right.
15: Uh, the youngest is a down syndrome yes. baby yeah fact.
2: yeah we were talking to Dickie Leon about that earlier
15: yeah that's going to be yeah you know that's going to be an issue <laughs> well no.
2: so people love to roll out their families whatever their status might be so
15: that is true all right however but i could just i could just see what the uh, slings and arrows are going to be on that all right
3: thank well, you, it, thank you situation
15: it, right. it may have been thank trained
3: you. to act like a down syndrome baby remember the, the woman in uh, vancouver
2: This who, uh, is, this who uh, is, taught this... her
3: children to act like they were... Uh, oh, members. wow,
2: I forgot all about that. Well, that's what I'm comparing this to. That is the opinion of the CBS Radio News Department. I forgot all about that woman in Vancouver. And wasn't it for like 35 years or something? Yeah, she, she and her kids. Totally like the kid. This is a case in Vancouver. I forgot all about that.
3: And it turned out, oh, we're not really retarded.
2: <laughs> this is in Vancouver where there was a woman, and uh, it was her son who was an adult, and for... Jesus, since he was like twelve or something, mm-hmm. she had no we're not making this up, as Dave Barry would say no. in Vancouver, and his was,
3: children are still alive
2: uh, there was the, the woman and, and the, the kid had been trained to act as though he was mentally enfeebled in some fashion because they wanted to get that they wanted to get that government check and it was only this is a totally true story from earlier this year, and it was only found out when the guy who was presumably you know not not altogether up there uh, he got caught he got a speeding ticket. Driving a car, you know, like, like, like you do. And then he went to court. And he's in court going, Yeah, I need to get this ticket dismissed. I, uh, I dispute the notion that I was, uh, exceeding the regulated and posted speed limit. I, uh, I find, uh, fa- flaws with that premise, Your Honor.
3: Just a minute. The rest of the townspeople are used to you acting retarded. Seriously. Going
2: and then the rest of the stuff? people are used to just seeing him slumped over and drooling somewhere. And then it all sort of fell apart. So, alright. Well, it remains to be seen, Tim. Anything is possible. Well, we've already, there have already been a couple of, uh, and I don't know if I should repeat them, because they are just scurrilous, unfounded rumors.
3: Oh, yeah, we've uh, been hearing all about this.
2: There have already been a couple... Um,
3: this one-year-old baby.
2: And I don't even know that I should say it, but I, I no, will wait say... No, a couple
3: of days. Let somebody else take
2: the Let message. me just say this. I'll, I'll put it this way.
3: There are various Internet rumors.
2: There are uh, already uh, some folks saying, and saying, don't make it so, but there are already some folks saying that Sarah Palin, who is John McCain's VP, that Sarah Palin's 17-year-old daughter... Um, th- their observations about Sarah Palin's 17-year-old daughter and perhaps her status as either child-having or child-less and how that might relate to other children in the Palin household. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, all right, we should take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley returns around the corner for the Ministry of Truth. Later on, we'll do uh, either top five B-sides that exceed the A-side or the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Costantini, Scott Daly Moore. This is Aerosmith on the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere, my friends.
16: glad they're here. No, you and me both.
2: Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Let's see, still to come today. Top five, now we have to do it. Top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. So I was sort of torn between that and the top five B sides that are better than the A side. But then uh, Susan Reynolds uh, came down just now. and she sort of, I came into the studio and she was standing here sort of looking strident with her hands on her hips, kind of Wonder Woman style. And I said, Hello? And she said, I demand to know the top five Stevie Wonder funk songs or whatever. And I, I said, I, okay.
4: You don't deny Susan.
2: No, it's like, it's just what she says. You know, what, what Susan wants, Susan gets it. So I just coughed up the list and she's like, oh, come on. And I'm sorry. So now we have to do it. And I think she's going to come sit in later on today. So Susan Reynolds will be with us later on. We'll count down the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. Now I feel compelled to point out that I didn't really do the list. I contributed only one song. So I'm just going point your fingers elsewhere. Uh, here's uh, what else is coming up today. I think I said Steve uh, Steve Castamo, but I meant Bob Costanzini. We'll also talk to Scott Daly. Um, let's see. Uh, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD. Yada yada and so on. This is Tim Riley. I was just watching the employee harassment thing. Uh-oh. What the hell was that? Oh, is that the her- employee harassment video? Yes. Have you taken the test? Yes. Okay, Kristen, will you... They, you um, they
4: never sent me anything. All right, well,
2: maybe you're afraid but to harass... We don't harass people. Maybe it's because they know that you're, uh, you know, that you're a gentle flower. And, yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I have actually isolated some of the audio from that. Let me see here. I think I've actually got when this. What is a joke not a joke? Uh, you know, unless it makes somebody cry, it's not really humor, Tim. No. Uh, good humor hurts.
3: Let's Do you know here. that some of the characters were, were uh, picking on some people because they're, I guess... The policy goes, you can consider age harassment to anyone over 40. I guess that is the age where it begins. Wait, can you harass
2: someone for being young? Yes, you can. It's, o- it only, it's only for people 40 and up. Now, is that a codified part of CBS policy, or is that uh-huh. your, you? huh No, it said out? it right there. That's not true. You're making that up. No, I saw it on you. Could, I took the it's test. I remember issues. what it said. So you didn't pay any attention. No, He's but you know, I, but I passed. How weird is that? I passed. Don't even remember. Well, any it's not that difficult. All right, let me. I have a little bit of this audio. We're not making this up. This is uh, something that CBS corporate decided we should do. This is one of the five thousand tests we've had to take here. About you know, like don't take a big bag of money from the record company and don't sell crack out of the back of the station van. Uh, let's see here. All of the. By the way, and anytime you hear something like that in one of these CBS tests, where it's like. Uh, You know, should you do you or do you not think it's a good idea to take an underage groupie and like, you know, bang her in the prize closet, you know, and it's like, well, no, but then you realize that question is on there because they've had to fire some jackass DJ for doing it, probably several jackass DJs. So all of these questions come from, is it a good idea to take a bag of cocaine in exchange for playing the new, you know, Scorpions record?
4: Do you ever wonder if they send these tests out right as somebody's getting ushered out the door? Oh,
2: I'm almost certain that's Mm -hmm. the case. I'm almost certain that's the case, or when there's... I mean, I don't know that this is true, but I think any company is like this, where... They send these out as some sort of lawsuit is happening, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like a so-and-so made fun of me because I'm, you know, 41, and then immediately, it's oh, we're being sued. Make sure everybody knows, you know. Uh, I always assume, whenever there's a thing that goes out in the office about, like, sometimes, like here, uh, here at CBS you will occasion, and I'm sure this happens again at every corporation, but sometimes I'll check my email, it's like, and you'll get an email that says something like this. We wanted to take a moment to clarify the sexual harassment policy here, and you immediately know that there was, like... Some some incident that happened within the last month, where some clown, uh, you know, like uh, said something leering about the bosoms of a coworker, and you know now it's all, you know now it's all like everybody must, you know, re, re, you know be reminded of. All right, so this is the first little clip of audio from this test that came out, that us how not to harass our coworkers, uh, and I do believe. Let's see, is this? Here's a riddle. When is a joke not right. a joke? I think this is where there's a bunch of sort of young ruffian 20-somethings. something. two, three. And they're all young people, Tim? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who need a little talking to about and, and, manners?
3: And, and to make it fair, not all are Caucasians. Not no, it's,
2: and no, it's a balanced group of young bastards. Mm-hmm. And they're all sitting there and they're talking badly about a coworker who, because she's old, correct? Uh, yeah, she's over 40. Let's, Let's find out. Here's a riddle. When is a joke not a joke? Hey,
17: sorry I'm
5: late. I had a
8: thing. Uh, that's okay. So, this year's company picnic. What's the game plan?
17: Well, before we get started, I have some news. The event planning committee is welcoming a new member today. Please tell me it's Brian from marketing. Oh,
8: please
3: tell me it's Brian from marketing. (laughs) He likes a Not
16: quite. It's Gladys from finance.
3: Gladys. Mm -hmm. That's that's the name of an old person.
18: Come on. What's Grandma Gladys going to bring to
5: the table?
4: Other than a glass to put her teeth in, <laughs> Oh,
5: uh,
4: Gladys's years of
1: experience can be helpful.
5: Yeah, she knows where to find all the best early bird specials. <laughs> so in
3: comes Gladys. Be
1: She'll
10: be here in a hot flash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, what? Hi. Hi.
0: Hi. What did I miss? Oh, oh
17: nothing important. when you
3: know
5: she joke, does... Not a joke. Just now.
2: Yeah. She doesn't look that bad. Even if she is over forty, she does not look like a Gladys. No, no, she didn't look like a Myrtle. Doesn't no. look like an Ethel. Thelma. No, not at all. Marge, uh, Glenda. She does not look like any of those things. And, and really, just that she'll be here in a hot flash. It's like all they need to do is play like a little, and like go into an up-tempo CHR number out of that in the morning show. Mm-hmm. All they need, all they need to do is be, all they need to do is be celebrating like September. Uh, let's see. Uh, so that's part one, and I forget. I, I think I had to click a thing saying like, is it right to yell at Gladys Gladys for being over the age of 40, and I think you didn't know or whatever. Here's the second part. It was like weeks ago that I took this. Here are some key points to help you avoid workplace harassment. Is everybody listening? Here are some
5: key points to help you avoid workplace harassment. One form of illegal workplace harassment is hostile work environment harassment. It's unwelcome conduct, based on a legally protected category, that's severe or pervasive enough to alter someone's working conditions in the view of a reasonable person in a similar situation. The legally protected categories are gender or sex, race, color, age, national origin or ancestry, religion, and mental and physical disability. Some states and cities also include other characteristics such as marital status, sexual orientation, and medical condition in the list of legally protected categories.
2: Yeah, I think they say. A simple
5: rule of workplace behavior. Be considerate of everyone's feelings whenever you communicate with anyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's almost certainly not going to happen. But let me—I have two observations, and let me just say first and foremost, for the record, uh, here both—you uh, know—as a matter of just common courtesy, and as a—and as a matter of uh, policy, we uh, we try to be uh, tolerant of and embracing of everyone uh, from every walk of life.
3: The few people who work here.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Plonk. The Plonk is the new uh, Plonk is the new Z. It's
3: really difficult because we have to push our way through the sea of people to get in the door. everywhere. I was going to say it. It does become easier. Uh, it is. That it makes it easier to be more understanding of others if there are fewer. Or, well, never mind. Wow,
2: you are you're really in vacation mode right now. I am.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be here Monday. No. <laughs> 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 or Tuesday. <too much. laughs>
2: One never knows, Tim. Oh, <laughs> well, not nowadays. Does one? No have Less moonvesters just standing there with a box. I am. Let get out. It's what is his personal email? <laughs> That's what it is. Where you go out and there's somebody you've never seen before just hovering outside your door with an envelope. never uh, again. Smoking yeah. a cigar, uh, wearing a derby. Jesus. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, no, never mind. I'll get no, back I, I was you. just going to say. Well, you know, one time I got fired. And it was that just one time. Uh, it was this one time, the one there was one time that I got fired. That um, it was me and somebody else hosting the show, and we got off the air that day. And of course, you know, it's like they say in that episode of Mash: you never hear the bullet. Uh, so you know, you never know. You never know you're gonna get whacked. I mean, almost never. But we got off the air. We do our show. Hey, what a great show that was! That's I can't wait to come back and entertain the people tomorrow. And we walk out, and there's you know two of the suits that are there, and they said, "This is exactly." They looked at me, and they looked at the other guy. And the the lead suit, suit number one, says, all right, uh, Rick, I want you to come with me. So-and-so, you go with him. You have two different offices at the same time. And then like, that's when you know, right? Mm, yeah. Like, that's when you know the jig is up. You're just like, ah. Oh, i are going to offer cigars. Yeah. Um, what was my – oh, so anyway, I think we can all agree in principle with – Whatever it was that this test wanted us to do. But I, I simply have questions here about the language. Uh, and I know uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland, by the way. I know that uh, George Carlin has sort of done some of these observations about language, maybe not these specific ones, but I mean, he's just he, he's sort of done that as good as it could be done. But I, but I don't. But there's things that were, have never really been explained to me, and I like to think of myself as not just having falled off the linguistics truck. So, in that thing, which, by the way, is written, I'm assuming, by CVS Legal. Yes. Uh, who are uh, then just like a sort of a huge, like, ensconced fortress of a tower from which the memoranda just flows forth. Blackrock. Yeah, so the, so CBS Legal wrote this language in this in this how not to harass people. Riddle me this. When it says legally protected categories include gender or sex, what does that mean? Anyone. And I'm not speaking rhetorically. Gender? When it says no, but it doesn't say that. It says legally protected categories include oh, make, include yeah. gender or okay. sex. What does that mean? There has to be somebody we can ask. I don't think anyone knows. I don't think the legal department would know if I were to ask them. Let's I call mean, them now. nah, but no, you can't. Oh, they're on the... They don't. They can't speak. Well, in... gender
4: can get kind of tricky, though, too.
2: But well, what is sex then? Sex what is, is sex? Your...
4: Sex would be like your what you were born as, and gender would be. You're bluffing. A little bit of gray area. You don't
2: know. You're making up. The only thing I can think of. But see, but when they say protected categories include gender or sex, that doesn't make any sense. That's just gibberish. This is a ham-handed misuse of the English language. That doesn't. And I could call. You know. uh, You know. Here's the thing. I would probably have to file out like nine different forms just to talk to the legal department. Like they would probably have to. I'd have to go through the legal department even to speak to the legal department. So um, so when they say gender or sex, that's just confusing. That obfuscates the issue. So let's move on to the next thing. And again, I only ask this because I like to use the English language correctly, and I don't like it when I'm confused about things. So like the other day when I didn't know what, I was confused about heretofore, and I couldn't remember if it was like past or, you know, somebody clarified it. So when they say protected categories include gender or sex, and then, this is according to the CBS legal department, other categories of protection include race or color. Well, what does that mean? That's another
3: question. You know, people can be of mixed race.
2: But I mean, when they say, so does that mean, does that mean that if I'm like that, and this is a historically documented fact, does that mean if I'm like that inbred family in Pennsylvania where their skin turned blue, Mm -hmm. that I am protected because of that? Yes. Really?
4: They can't discriminate you because you're, You're
2: against you because
3: you're blue.
2: So race or color, are those the same thing or are those separate things legally, do you think?
3: Seems it's all very confusing. I, well, just, I don't have any problem
2: with it. I just wish I knew what the hell they were talking I about sometimes.
3: Members of the Blue Man Group are actually Caucasians. Would that not be true? <laughs> so we're talking about color and race. So they are covered even
2: though they are Caucasians. They're they are blue, blue. they're Caucasians. Right. And I should totally can... start coming to work as a member of the Blue Man Group. That would be rad. Uh, you are not allowed to discriminate against me yeah. because of color. <laughs> oh, my lawyer's going to have your ass. Dude. I, oh, man, it's so tempting to start coming to work and just painting myself green or something. Sit out in the lobby. Just sitting there, and when a guy comes to the office, go what? What? What do you look, I feel threatened. This is a hostile environment. Oh, what I wouldn't give to do that. Oh, man. Most shows don't even try on
3: Fridays. This is not one of them.
2: (laughs) It's so tempting. It's so tempting to start coming to work and just all uh, dressed up like in polka dots or something, you know, like on my skin. All right. Or race or color.
3: So so that answers that, doesn't it?
2: The gender or sex thing is still confusing, and I know we're a little bit behind here with uh, wrestling of the birth of a salesman uh, guy. So we'll do that here in just a second, and then we'll talk to uh, Bob Costantini. Adam, I'm not sure. are these calls screened, unscreened, regular, mentholated? Uh, Rick? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting slammed with calls here. Do you want me to get the uh, the birth
5: of a salesman
2: guy? Yeah. uh, Why don't you get the birth of a salesman guy, and I'll just take these calls blind, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello.
17: Hey, I just wanted to clear up the whole uh, gender and sex thing. Yes. It means that, like, if you identify as, say, like, transgendered female to male or male to female, they can't discriminate against that or your sexual preferences, things like that. That's all that means.
2: What is the difference between gender and sex?
17: Well, like, if you were to be, like, prejudiced against someone because of their gender, like, you could say you hate frannies, and that would be prejudiced against their gender. If you're prejudiced against, like, blah, sorry, I can't talk. If you're prejudiced against their sex specifically, like, male, female, and I could be a little wrong on this. I'm sure it wavers, but this is the gist of it. I think I there's, like, it. a.
2: I think there may be about a 15% chance you are making this up.
17: No, I'm not.
2: All right, well, and it's, and it's, a, it's, a lot of friends
17: are gen, transgendered, and all right, this so you, is what they've told me.
2: Okay, so you so you believe this is that you were in the ball? Does it sound like like she's in the ballpark? If I yes. mm-hmm. correct him, so you believe that sex is a medical or biological state, whereas gender could perhaps be a, a mental state of self identification.
17: Yeah, and like I said, there's a chance I could be wrong, but this all is right. how it's been explained to me by transgendered people.
2: All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Bye. All right. Let's do a couple more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up?
17: Uh, the, she is
7: wrong, actually. Uh,
2: oh, God. <laughs> it, it, this is going to be like uh, that absent it, it, conversation. We're it, never going to find it. it. OK, it. go.
7: No, It will. It, it's sex and gender, race and color. It's just a cover for ignorance. Um, it's the same thing. So people don't understand. What do you mean gender? It's, it's their sex or vice versa. That's
2: all. it is. Well, see, just, but, that it still doesn't no, see but that sounds clear. No, see, but that sounds. But that sounds. No offense, sir. But that sounds like something that seems true because most people are deeply stupid. But probably isn't true that seems like it's almost too simple to be to be true, yeah,
7: but it is they said, from, they said, from where they're, are they're, you
2: gleaning this information
7: just from knowledge from hiring people? On, of... It also said the continuation was for their gender or sexual preference that was covered in another category So that's a whole different It's all
2: so confusing. I don't even know what we're talking about now. <laughs> don't even get me started on What is a creed? I have no idea what that is.
3: All right. Thank I don't know you. Creed is either. All right Weren't they a what hit wonder? <laughs> I'm here for a job.
4: You could sell records.
0: <laughs> Do you have
2: something in middle management? I'm looking for a gentle package and something that can offer me decent medical. Just too easy sometimes.
3: I try to make it as easy as possible. <laughs>
2: Okay. <laughs> um. So deeply embarrassed. I bet you don't have this much fun at other stations, do you, Kristen? This is Rick. He's an idiot. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, it's all very confusing. All right. So we have more calls about gender and sex. Uh, is this my wife? Is my wife on line three? <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. So, uh, Laura, if you're listening, you're going to have to actually wait for a second. got to talk to the. Um, we got to talk to the birth of a salesman guy because we got to free up that line for Bob Costantini. So, um, and, then we'll, and then we'll return to this. Um, or should we should we postpone the birth of a salesman guy? Tim, what should we do here? No, let's do, it All right. let's do it anyway. All right. So we'll return to this whole bundle of fun in just a second. Where's my phone music here? Hold on. We'll uh, return to the uh, calls here. Uh, hello. Hi. Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You are Brad, correct?
6: That's right. Hi, Rick.
2: How are you today, uh, today sir?
6: I'm not unwell. How about yourself?
2: I am fantabulous. All right, so as you know, we are looking for the next great AM 970 salesperson. Uh, we had people submit, in 100 words or less, why they want to sell for the station. We're going to talk to 10 on the phone. We'll bring five into the studio, and Tim will grill you mercilessly. A lucky three will get 15 minutes in a room with General Sales Manager Michael Prashana. Perhaps one will walk out with a job. It could be you. Uh, here's what you submitted Rick, when I was four years old, I sold rocks to all of my neighbors. My embarrassed dad made me take the money back, yet my neighbors refused the refund. For the next ten years, I was groomed for a life in sales and business. I wore collar shirts and earth-toned sweaters. I collected office furniture ads. However, never finding a suitable product, I followed a career path in social work. But now, with the opportunity to join the greatest team in town, I am back. I will sell the Rick Emerson brand with passion, humor, professionalism, And success. All right, so uh, what prompted you uh, to apply for the Birth of a Salesman contest, sir?
6: Uh, well, I was just excited about the chance to work with uh, AM970, and <clears throat> sales is something I've wanted to go in before, and I just was waiting to find the right product.
2: And so what are you doing? Are you in social work right now?
6: Uh, I've actually, I'm a recovering social worker, and I'm a freelance photographer and cab driver.
2: All right. Uh, do you have, and it doesn't necessarily matter, but do you have sales experience other than selling rocks uh, to gullible friends?
6: Uh, well, just kind of a lot of um, different things. I've sold beer in many venues, including parking lots and All right. rodeos. All right. And uh, candy bars and just your basic stuff. Sold my um, when I did social work, I kind of had to sell my program to get funding each year.
2: Okay, so you had to sell yourself. Right. All right. If you were to describe AM nine seventy in no more than three sentences, how would you do so? Uh,
6: AM nine seventy is relatable, fresh, and.
2: What does that mean? Which one? Fresh.
6: Uh, the the content is always fresh, so you don't you don't ever have to switch a dial because it's redundant.
2: All right. As a fair music enough. Music statement. Okay.
6: And it uh, has a special way of relating to it the audience.
2: What if somebody said to you, "I don't know, uh, you know, I got all these different options for advertising. You got the, uh, you got your yellow pages, your newspaper, your your TV, your your MySpace." What makes radio advertising different from other advertising mediums, sir? Uh,
6: because typically, especially with uh, your station, people don't turn the dial. They turn it on. They listen to it all day, even through the commercials, because it's different programs, different topics. And it has a way of connecting with the listener in an intimate way. The listener can call in, can be a part of the program, can also submit uh, material for the program. So it's just a closer relationship with the customer.
2: Okay, that's not only a great answer, that's completely accurate, by the way. So I don't know if you, I don't know how carefully you, you sort of prep for this or whether you put together answers in your head, but i got to say, uh, yeah, the true statement, that is a thing in various permutations. That phrase gets, that explanation and that uh, that sort of um that answer gets uh, used a lot around here i mean that is something that salespeople will, you know will actually say that's a that's a thing we say about the station all the time so good uh so well done sir um and have you ever worked on commission my friend
6: i have done uh telephone sales that was on commission i was, I was actually i'm a vegetarian and i sold beef over the phone and you made sold a pretty beef good living over the phone
2: <laughs> to whom
6: Uh, It was a distribution company in Colorado where we'd sell freezers full of beef.
2: Please tell me you would cold call people to sell them beef. Cold calls, always. Really?
6: Always and only. As long as you had a credit card. All right, no, no,
2: no, hold on. Hold on. Now, I know we're running really, really, really late, and Bob Costantini's going to try to call, and so I already apologize if that goes badly. Okay, we're going to do a little role playing. I'm going to answer the phone. You're going to try to sell me some beef. All right, ring, ring, ring. Uh, Hello.
6: Hi, Mr. Emerson. This is Brad with Colorado Prime. We're not just beef people anymore.
2: Have well, that's ever, that's good to hear,
6: Brad. What? Have you ever considered um, buying a higher-quality product that lasts longer in your freezer you for mean, a greater for a lower price?
2: You mean like higher-quality product, like
6: drapes? Well, I'll tell you what. We sell beef, and we're going to have a salesperson in your neighborhood next week. We'd love to stop by and uh, drop off a sample of steak and or chicken.
2: Now, it's just gonna, is it like beef through the mail?
6: Uh, it's actually, a, I mean... All I did was set up the appointment, and then someone would go waste about three hours of the person's time to try to get them to buy a freezer and commit to a year's worth of uh, low-grade beef product.
2: You get points for honesty. All right, I wish I had time to continue this beef role play, uh, but uh, sadly sadly we do not. All right, uh, well done, though, sir. Um, What is your favorite Madonna song?
6: i uh, have to probably go with Material Girl just because the video resonated.
2: All right, excellent. All right, you have done very well, my friend. Brad, uh, we will uh, talk to you in the future one way or the other, and you may be one of the lucky five. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rick. Best show ever. All uh, right, thank you. There you go. Thank you, Brad. That I, I, was really I, good. I'd buy rocks from him. Seriously. Yeah. Give you a freezer and some low-quality beef. All right. <laughs> Who can turn that down? Jesus, what a day. Alright, it's uh 733 Uh, we will resume the news in a moment. We'll talk to senior uh, radio correspondent Bob Costantini here in just a skosh. Uh, let's see, let's welcome, uh, my, let's do the, uh, program, my, uh, wife, the lovely Laura. Hello there, hi.
5: Hey, guys.
1: Hey,
2: sorry yeah. you were on hold there listening to the beef guy.
17: No problem, I like the beef guy.
2: Where do you put, um, the, on the classic 1 to 10 scale in terms of, either like, maybe we should talk to him further, where do you put the beef guy just there?
17: Um, I would put him in a solid seven.
2: Yeah, me yeah. too. No, he was good, especially at especially the end uh, when he went right to the whole How It was really just a give you the beef, sell you the freezer kind of a thing. So.
17: And, and social worker turned taxi driver. That's pretty intriguing.
2: Completely. Uh, all um, right, so you have a whole thing on the gender, sex. Oh, I bl- can't bl- bl- bl-
17: believe I haven't educated you on this before. I was a women's studies minor. I oh, mean, okay. I, you should know this. Um, well, you know,
2: I like to talk about women's studies all the time.
17: Okay, so sex is what you're born with. It's like it, you're a you're an XX or an XY. That's your sex. Okay. Your gender is what you put out to the world. What what uh do you wear? High heels? Do you wear necklaces? Do you um you know what? It, it all gets very murky. Do you feel pretty?
19: Ready, ready oh, so pretty.
17: But yes, yes. Um. So yeah, but. But that's why transgender comes into it. But, um, All right.
2: So, yeah. so sex is a simply biological state. So that that woman uh, who called was correct, and Kristen, I think, said something like this too. So, and that guy was effed. Uh, no offense, guy. So, so sex is a is a purely biological state. Gender is one's own self identification or representation of self to the outside world. Exactly. Excellent. Fantastic. You're good people. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Love you.
11: Love you. Bye. All right. Bye. Here we go.
2: All right. Well, there you go. You know, the more you know, Tim, the more you know.
3: I feel smarter being on this program.
2: It's, it's true. All right. It's 503 733 2970. Is this Bob Costantini? Okay, we'll talk to Bob Costantini. We'll resume the news with Tim Riley. Uh, later on, we'll do an Insta poll. We got the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. Uh, Scott Daly's going to be here, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, did I already say ad infinitum earlier today? How about ad nauseam? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent,
1: Bob Gossettini!
2: Hello, Rick. How are you? Hi, Bob. How are you today? Good. Good. All right. Are you, in fact, at the Hill today or are you somewhere else? I'm on the Hill. You're on the Hill. Uh, and so th- so this has got to be one of those days uh, you just you just wake up and it's just it's exhausting but exhilarating all at once because like every seven minutes there's like something new happening. Uh,
19: that's for sure. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, the uh, convention, uh, the Republicans start their convention. Uh, Barack Obama uh, had his speech last night, uh, but John McCain had, and and frankly, because the the conventions were smashed up against each other, uh, it was the way it kind of had to play itself out if. Um, uh McCain uh, and the Republicans were not going to interfere with the Democratic convention and and the interesting thing is I mean let's let's be real um they they did a wonderful job as far as McCain camp is concerned of keeping this quiet
2: well and, until and this morning and there's a couple of things first of all it doesn't really happen all that often that the campaigns or the conventions are back to back like this
19: yeah no it's uh, it's a rarity uh, brought on by the Olympics and the television coverage, of course, um, and, and the expectation
2: that Americans would be interested in that. Here's a dumb question. Is the, does the campaign start Monday or Tuesday or the convention? The convention starts Monday. Monday. In St. Paul. Um, and so, I don't know, you know, somebody once said, I was watching it last night and just thinking how it really is sort of three pounds of mud in a 20-pound sack sometimes because there's just all of this dead time where you – You know, like you keep waiting for there to be like a puppet show or something on stage, like to to kill time, you know. Or let's have Sheryl Crow sing another listless song, you know. But, you know, somebody one time said, uh, I forget who it was, somebody proposed that like in terms of the Super Bowl, that really the final round of playoffs to determine the teams for the Super Bowl ought to happen at the same time you know, like Sunday morning, and then immediately both of the winning teams are flown to the Super Bowl like five minutes later. Like they, yeah. they win, they get to the Super Bowl, they get on a plane, they got to go play the Super Bowl like that day. And it does seem like it would be, uh, part of me really does wish that there was a sort of, uh, you know, that there was a dual convention, some sort of convention that was for both parties, just so you could, just so you could break out of this sort of overly stage-managed and structured and polished framework uh, for just a bit, but I guess maybe that is...
19: That is some of the magic, so well, election day at least is in sight
2: yeah uh, i mean i, I don 't even know where to start uh, because you had this you know this this real shock uh, about Sarah Palin as the vp here 's a, a question that I know is a paradox. are there going to be any any surprises or quasi surprises do you think next week during the republican convention?
19: Well, not anymore. Um, clearly, uh, one of the dynamics that was at play in the democratic convention was the whole obama Clinton uh issues and back and forth and what kind of uh, you know how how she was going to handle it how the president uh, bill clinton was going to handle it and how the obama camp was handling it there's not going to be that at the republican convention so it's uh, there's, there's going to be much less drama now that we know uh, who his running mate
18: is
2: and, uh, be, and I was looking at this uh, this list last night. I mean, it's a hard act to follow. I know the Democrats a lot of times have have sort of a slicker convention in terms of stage presence, production value, whatever. Uh, although the 2004 uh, Republican convention was really great, the way they put that together, I mean, it was just the, the stage design, the yeah. set up, the aesthetic. But I was looking at this list. You know, you had all of these fantastic, dynamic, very fiery speakers at the Democratic convention, and for the Republican convention. I mean, I think I think there's two words that set the whole tone. And those words are Fred and Thompson. I mean, really, get yeah, Fred Thompson is one of your keynotes, but why not you just why not just listen to a bag of lint talk? Well, I mean, the really.
19: expectation really, Rick, is that uh, you know a lot of Americans won't be watching. Oh, yeah, you're much right about that, that convention because again, the um, you know last week or this past week we've had uh, the Bill Clinton speech, Hillary Clinton's uh, speech. They got uh, the big network broadcast network attention. Um, the you know it it starts on Labor Day uh, to boot, uh, which uh, will you know garnish uh, very very small TV ratings uh, for the broadcast networks. Obviously, we we encourage everyone to watch on CNN, of, of course. Um, but uh, you know the the expectation is that uh, much of America will not be watching this particular convention until uh, Thursday night when John McCain makes his acceptance speech. It is sort and of, of like- course, obviously the Palin pick. Uh, might uh, draw some you know some attention as well
2: it, it is uh, it is sort of one of those uh, it's one of those things that when you go to see a show and there's five bands playing and you kind of get together with your friends before, and you go, okay. Look, I mean, the, the show starts at eight. Now, what, what time do I really need to be there? And then your friends kind of go, well, you know, probably if you're there at eleven, you'll be fine. You'll be able to see the headliner. Hey, as just one final thing, where we wrap it up, I was looking at a political blog this morning, and this is—I'm not making this up. This is uh, this is real. Um, that there—did you know that CNN actually had their own private label of beer at the CNN Grill?
19: Uh, yes, I, I didn't I, know that. I've seen that. pictures of that, and um, in 2004, having uh, been to the grill. Uh, a couple of uh, in both conventions, um, uh, it's it's
2: very nice. It
19: really is, I must say.
2: I uh, <laughs> just from watching the television, I would uh, I'd say that Wolf Blitzer agrees with you.
19: Yeah, it's, it's 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 fun, and it's you know even people from other networks show up, and you can yeah. chat and uh, lay back a little bit uh, yeah. for people who've been working real hard at the convention.
2: All right, my friend, enjoy your weekend. We will talk we will to you in right. the immediate future, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Costantini joining us there from now Excellent, fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. All right, got uh, more calls we'll get to here in just a, uh, just a few. Uh, this is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth.
3: Meanwhile, the big story down in Corvallis: A man buys a grenade for five dollars from a homeless man, <laughs> and leaves it on the doorstep, Police a call to the apartment after somebody spotted the explosive device. They thought it was indeed a, a well, it could have caused a lot of problems. Even the bomb squad was called in. The Oregon State Bomb Squad secured the device and safely removed it from the scene. Steven Sardyka has been arrested for disorderly conduct. Sardyka told police he purchased the grenade from a homeless man for $5. That just raises
2: more questions than it answers. Mm-hmm.
3: Police warn that grenades and other similar devices should always be considered
2: dangerous. They are not toys, kids. Because people apparently don't know better. Uh, the grenade did not cause any damage at the apartment. Do not taunt Happy Funball. Why would a homeless guy have a grenade? Well, he's selling them. Well, okay, no, touche. Set and match, Tim Riley. I... They're not all selling pencils, I... or, or batteries, <laughs> or something. It's just a tin cup full of hand grenades.
3: They, I mean, there are different franchises available. <laughs>
2: uh we're just holding aside. that Give me a quarter, or I will blow up your car at this red light right now. All right. Well, I mean, how I mean, I guess it seems like you could get more than five dollars for that, though. I mean, yeah. I see, that's a little bit of a mark. Well, this from... is Yeah, I guess it's all relative. All right, uh, let's see here. We'll get to some calls here in a second. Here's Tim Riley.
3: Eight juveniles have been arrested and another 21 thrown out of the Oregon State Fair for gang-related fistfights. The OSP uh, said the gang activity led to the ejection of 33 people from the fair yesterday. Police, uh, they said they were people wearing gang colors. They began clustering in groups on the midway and posturing in front of their rivals, flashing uh, those so-called gang signs and insults and whatnot. They couldn't behave in a civilized manner uh, Troopers warned that they would be thrown out if they kept it up of course these savages fear no one and the fight started around 945 uh, then near the adult rides the troopers joined private security and break them up and kicking their asses off.
2: excellent you know what uh, you know what gang uh, related violence makes me think of Tim. It's like she says "multo meal at some point there. You almost want to go back and just take uh, Sarah Brightman, like... Uh, Sarah Brightman. Uh, Charlotte Church. Wow, that was a weird substitution in my head. You it almost was. want to take Charlotte Church out of the equation because, like, maybe if it was just all, like... Like if it was just all bad? Yeah, then maybe, like, you might go, well, that's an interesting style she's got there. Like, it might seem like an aesthetic choice. You know what I mean? As somebody once... I had a guitar player, a friend of mine. He said, he's like, you know, if you make a mistake... You just do it twice more because then it's then it's a style you know he's like if you play something that's really bad and wrong, the deal is you've got to play it twice more in the song and then it looks like you're sort of then it looks like you have your own sort of interesting take on the composition I
4: still think i mean even even if she had it together again, which will never happen no. but um even if she did, I think that's a Poor choice in song for her. Yeah,
2: it's just, uh, I mean, it's a poor, I mean, it just sounds weird anyway. It's like this big, weird, like, solid gold production of beat. It doesn't make any sense. Here's Tim Riley.
3: So there was a dramatic police chase along I-5 in East Portland early this morning. A man was in jail. It all began at 1 o'clock when somebody tried to shoplift at Winco in Northeast, and he nearly ran over a security officer when taking off in the car. Uh, the suspect is identified as Robert Cooper. He was on his way out of the parking lot. So the ODOT uh, traffic cameras are rolling on the chase that ended on the freeway. They tried to uh, stop him several times. The car finally spun out, uh, but he kept going. Then at one point, the suspect drove over a couple of spike strips, but that didn't stop him either. He was uh, driving on the rims. Cops were finally able to stop him. Then the cops slammed into his car and pushed it onto the shoulder. This guy was taken into custody without incident. Uh, So, uh, yeah, this is Wincum. Is Wincombe open all night? Uh, maybe so on the east side. Maybe if you've got a rock. Well, people feel not, fear nothing over there. <laughs>
2: yeah. People, they're long for the sweet embrace of death, mm-hmm.
3: More than 250 transit drivers have signed a petition urging the Portland City Council not to move forward with plans at a bike lane through the Rose Quarter, saying it would have deadly consequences. Uh, so apparently they're trying to put a new, uh, bike lane in the way of the buses and people don't like it. The baby elephant continues to show positive signs and is bonding with its mother... Who's nursing it, and he's began to explore his surroundings. So this
2: is the new baby, which is nameless at this point. Well, no. So they, I was going to ask if they hadn't if they hadn't named the baby elephant. All mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, blah 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 blah. Just one one thing back on that bike lane thing. Is it near the Rose Quarter? Yeah. You know the thing is that that I know. I know that we say this about a lot of places in Portland, but that thing is designed so weirdly anyway. I've driven a thousand times, and every time you go through, you're like, "Am I in the right lane? Am I about to... Be, yeah. oh, what am I doing?" And you're just you're waiting for a train to come along mm-hmm. and kill you. It's just it's like a maze or something. There there are whole sections of the city where intersections it's like it's like street design and infrastructure as done by M. C. Escher. You know, where you're sort of halfway through the intersection, like the what the big one is Burnside and Sandy. Mm-hmm. You're driving up there, going, "Am I in the right lane? Am I in any lane?" And you just have no idea.
3: So. Well, even when you go there and you get up on the max. You, you think you're at the Rose Quarter, but you're really not. Right, right. It's like you have to cross, like, two more streets to get there. Exactly. There's no sign saying you're almost here. They, you just keep walking. And say, oh, I must be here. I ran out of the
2: streets to cross. <laughs> it's just, and it's amazing that people just aren't killed there in traffic by the score. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so badly designed. Well, it
3: doesn't matter. They're moving the trailblazers back to Seattle anyway.
2: <clears throat> from what I hear. That's ah, just a rumor.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheridan woman who has been accused of burglarizing and then setting fire... To the Multnomah home of a former roommate with three cats is uh, facing arson, burglary, and criminal mischief and theft and animal abuse charges. 30-year-old Billy Joel Adams. Uh, that, not Billy Joel, but Billy Joe Adams is uh, charged with all these things. <laughs> the woman who lived in the house was not identified. She told police that jewelry, a laptop, computer, and more than $500 in cash is missing.
2: Uh, it just undermines all the Billy Joel jokes I was going to make. But you know what? It's just It's uh, just the way she is. After the Creed joke, I'm not going to do any more singing jokes today. It seems like I sort of topped that there. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got um, a question about advertising. Is there somebody who wants to advertise? You bet. Let's take that one. And then somebody wants to talk about McCain, and then somebody about Cobra whiskey. Money comes first. Mm, all right. Uh, hello. Hi. Uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Bonus points to Adam, by the way, for screening this call and describing this person as having a, quote, query. Hello. Yeah.
5: I was just wondering about a uh, advertisement. I got to say though, with that death of a salesman, you got a great uh, you got a great liner there. I, I wish we could wish we could continue this beef uh, role playing.
2: <laughs> you know, really, I, at no point in that conversation did I expect that guy to say like. And then I sold beef through the mail. I mean, is because who does that? I mean, obviously somebody, but <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of weird things that you can sell in this country. Well, I mean, my
5: question is a question and a suggestion. A question is uh, when you guys um. Sell advertising on your radio.
2: Now, let's as we move forward through these next few moments, let's make sure that we're not identifying any clients or advertisers by name.
5: I see. Well,
2: ah, that, I see. So this that
5: is... knocks out the suggestion. But well, the question it, is then: um, uh, Is it all done in-house, or do advertisers sometimes send in their own? Recordings that you just play.
2: Uh, well, that's an interesting question. Actually, uh, there's uh, advertising has done all kinds of different ways, sometimes. And uh, and again, we will uh, we will say that we love all of our advertisers. Every second of advertising on this radio station is golden and precious to us, and it is all equal in our eyes. Every bit of it. But that being said, uh, some of it is done in-house, Some of, because some of it's just for Portland, but sometimes if it's a national company or if there's an ad agency sure, who is placing true. ads for a large company, uh, then there is the same copy or sometimes the same commercial that is played in, in different markets. But they are all equally valued, sir.
5: I see. Well, man, I wish I was a... Even though I'm not looking into changing jobs, that death of a salesman thing, I think I could knock out some of those questions pretty hard.
2: Well, you know, the the, uh, the front door here at 2040 Southwest Earth <laughs> is, is always open, and applications are always at the front desk, my friend.
3: All right, we have a good show. Best show ever. Thank you. All right, there you go.
2: I hope that answered the question. I don't know if I did or not. Sometimes you can sense tremors early on in the call. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of, you have to you're sort of say, sir, before we move on, let me. Um, all right, we'll just take these in the order. They came higher in the Rick, uh, on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak now.
7: Hey. Hey, Rich, um, I was curious about your thoughts and uh, reflections of if there was anything that the Republicans could have done was nominated a vice president for a woman, I think. What do you think about that?
2: I'm sorry, I what, – uh, what is what is the – I hate to sound like Larry What is your actual question? What What, do you, what is your question, though, sir? I, I'm kind of I, – I lost you there.
7: <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, the steel of – And if I can just interrupt for
2: of... a second, I got this, like uh, – I have this nose hair that's bothering me. and oh, Just pull it out. Just pull it well, out. Well, but see, but I'm, I don't have a mirror. I don't want to look. That, see, but that's, you know, I'm not going to do it, Tim. See, but that's it's the thing. is, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to pluck the nose hair out right, right now. Okay. And if I were to try without a mirror, it would take, like, over and over, trial. And it's like when somebody goes, you know, something in your teeth. And you go, here? No. No, it's over. I think you got it. Well, don't worry about it. No, no, no. Where is it? Is it between? Is it the spinach? Is it left? No, no, no. You're left. Where? But my, my incisor? Where? And then you're sitting there going, never mind. So I'm going to wait until I can get in front of a mirror. So that being said, uh, w- what?
7: I was curious what you thought of like if anything that the Republicans could have done last night to steal the thunder of the you know the DNC. Yes. I thought it was pure genius of them of who they of whom McCain picked for his uh, vice president.
2: Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, they were no matter who they picked, they were always going to, in my opinion, they were always going to delay until today the announcement because then they defuse Barack Obama's news cycle. Then the news sure. quits being about Barack and starts being about this vice president pick. And you know, I heard somebody today called it stunt casting or whatever. And I I I don't know anything about her. Maybe she'd make a great vice president. Maybe she wouldn't. I don't know. It is. Um, I, I will say this. It does. It, it does make this. It's interesting, and it does. You know, I think it certainly helps the Republicans, but it, it also just makes this just a really fascinating election, just in terms of sociology, because you've got to realize that no matter how things go this fall, uh. Unless everybody just suddenly goes bonkers and votes for the Green Party, you're <laughs> e- you're either going to have a black man as president or a woman as vice president, and that's pretty yeah, that's pretty earth shattering stuff. No matter how you look at it. So it's a it's a cool it's a cool year to be us, you know.
7: Couldn't agree more. And best radio show
2: ever. Keep it up. Thank you, my friend. Yep. Uh, bye. There you go. Uh let's see. Uh, we'll do two more here in a second. We'll break. Let's. Uh, this is Tim Riley, though. It is, isn't it? Yes, it is.
3: From Vancouver comes word, a neighborhood watch group in the Couve has decided to take the neighborhood's safety to a whole new level by bringing in a portable watch tower. Concerned neighbors have a new tool to help fight crime in the neighborhood. It's called Skywatch. Wouldn't you like to live in this neighborhood? Vancouver police are training people to protect their neighborhoods using a mobile tower. It can be set up anywhere, providing a bird's-eye view for any neighborhood or a parking lot. Uh, volunteers have to get up in this thing, so there might be some insurance questions about this. Uh, if they spot a guy break into the cars, then they can have the police catch them before they vacate. The tower is equipped with bulletproof windows. <laughs> <laughs> this would be great in oh, your neighborhood.
2: Yes, it would, Tim.
3: There's a man defecating on a lawn. Would it
2: come Would it come, and, uh, would it come and ahead? Is there a
3: pickup truck being stolen?
2: Again. And wait, now the truck's being stolen again. Hey, it's being stolen a third time. Jesus. So this is going to be like one of those, it's like a cherry picker, but it sounds like it's yeah. one of those. Um, it's a bulletproof cherry picker. Jesus. It sounds like it's a combination Pope mobile and one of those shark spotting towers they put on the beach in Florida.
3: Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it looks. And like.
2: And this is going where exactly? In Vancouver. In Vancouver. What part of well, I was gonna say what part like it matters. So, All right. I guess you can cover it all. And really. so what is the deal? You'll be up there, and if you see some ne'er-do-well, up to no good, you call the, police. You call the man, and the man comes and gives a good, a good skull cracking. Mm-hmm. It's like I always wonder. We have we've can move this around, too. Uh, we've never really gotten an answer to this question. We've talked about Maybe this. Maybe we
3: can sponsor it. Hang a banner on the side of it. Hey. Susan.
2: That's a great idea. This Neighborhood Safety brought to you by AM97. Look at you, Tim. Hey, do you want a job as a salesperson, Tim? No. Okay. Uh, but that does uh, remind me of those where, like, when you go through neighborhoods, you say, this neighborhood protected by neighborhood watch. And it's like the weird noir-looking guy with a huge eyeball. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know what that means. Is that a thing where you just buy the sticker and you hope the sticker is enough to to, to a, sort of allay any kind of crime? But well, you got to buy them,
3: them and then the police have to put them up.
2: But what does that mean when it says it's protect? Supposed
3: to, it's supposed to scare people.
2: Does that just mean that there's some Gladys Kravitz busybody who's going to be peering out her windows to see who's dating who and, by the way, maybe somebody's burgling your car? Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Let's do these uh, two calls and then we will take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Here's what's on the way. We got the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. More from Tim Riley. Uh, When are you leaving, Tim? Two? Yes. All right.
3: Maybe a little before that. Uh,
2: Okay. so what we'll do is we'll do these. We'll break. Come back. A couple headlines from you. Perhaps. Yes. If you feel like gracing us with the news. Yes. yes, If not, I I... promise I will. All right. Thank you. Let's do these calls. Then we'll break. Uh, Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
13: Hey, everybody. This is Benjamin. How's it going? Hello,
2: Benjamin. How are you, my friend?
13: Hello. Hi. I called uh, to talk about the song I sent you this morning, but uh, I had two quick observations. One on the cover of today's How We Live. Yes. A big bottle of liquor with a snake in it.
2: Is that true? Really?
13: Absolutely. It's awesome.
2: What is the context Um, of the photo?
13: Well, they're talking about uh, basically liquors with poisons in them or toxins and how that's kind of becoming a fad,
2: I guess. The kids love the toxic alcohol. All right. There you Uh, go. And then, and then, to be fair, and then you sent me a, uh, a song this morning, and to be fair, I haven't, uh, Benjamin's created some of our finest pieces of audio here, including the, oh, it's, thank you. the It's Rick song that I gotta play again. Now, to be fair, you sent me a song that I haven't had a chance to play, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to. I downloaded it, and then I kinda had to, had to get on the, on the air. It is a, it's a beer song, and it was for like a contest or something.
13: Well, actually, the uh, contest deadline is uh, the 31st – I'm sorry, a competing local uh, uh, FM radio station and Widmer Brothers Beer um, are hosting a contest to write a new theme song for – Woodner Brothers, basically. Then the uh, winner of the contest will be invited out to play live at the Woodner Brothers October Fest you know, on
2: Saturday the 6th. This sounds like that Portland Anthem thing we were going to do, and then I forgot to do it. And now it's been stolen and repainted by somebody else. Uh, I don't know.
13: This song could be a Portland Anthem. So
2: let me just say so you want me to play something that you've written for another radio station?
13: Um, well, I'm giving you a first crack at it because after they receive it in the mail today, they're going to own it. So you're. Um, if you want to get a chance to hear it, then uh, We you should, should play it and then it issue today. a
2: cease and desist against them. <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll I'll, I'll, I got it. We'll see if we get a chance to play it.
13: All right, and then my, my final comment, real quick. Yesterday's Birth of a Salesman candidate he no. totally stole his speech from the cinematic opening of Bioshock. Yeah,
2: somebody told us that. Well, you know, you've got to steal uh, from the right places, though.
13: And you know what? Genius he is that he passed it off as his own and no one caught I, it, so I, that's how you make a sale.
2: I wouldn't have known. All right, thank you.
13: Thank
18: you. All
2: right, one more then we got break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
18: Hey, how you doing? What's up? Okay, first thing, the neighborhood watch in Vancouver, it's basically cuz I was a neighborhood kid in the Coov. Mhm. And it's basically a bunch of busybody people that have nothing else better to do that all call each other who call the cops if they see anything suspicious that's going on. That's That's the way I want it. There's a
2: boy around here and his pants are sagging. Something dreadful. I think he may be up to no good.
18: Yeah, Yeah. basically. All right. And then number two, um, I sent in the Amy Winehouse video.
2: Oh, you were the one. Okay, thank you so much. I could not remember from whence from uh, whence that derived. So so. came. Yeah. And
18: I wanted to see if I could pimp something real quick.
2: Absolutely, sir.
18: I am in Pitchfork Abortion, and we are playing a show tomorrow at Peppers downtown Vancouver on That's 8th and right. Main. It's a free show with Bathing Bathory, Irish Car Bomb, and Stone Creek. So if anybody likes. Say uh Iron Maiden Esclot Rock, Stone Creep is awesome.
2: Uh Stone Creep, Matt from Stone Creep is actually a big listener. Uh and Matthew. last time I last time I saw a Stone Creep play, he was up there in a Tim Riley is my God shirt. So No pretty,
18: doubt, that yeah. does not surprise me, but they are awesome. All right, There's give a a, show. All right, give so the give the pimp one more time. Nine thirty, Stone Creep, pitchfork abortion, Irish car Bomb, bathing battery, peppers, eighth and main downtown Vancouver for free. Come all drink right. beer and bang
2: heads. All right, thank you, sir.
18: Have a good one. All right, there you
2: go. Let's take a break. Back after this, a couple more headlines from Tim Riley before he departs for his uh, weekend. And uh, later on, Scott Daly will be here. Uh, we'll do the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs uh, of all time. Is there anything else I absolutely have to get to today? Probably. Maybe we'll stay there. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program.
12: Continue to... only on AM 970, The Talker.
2: Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's a good question, Tim. This guy says about the Couve Tower. Is Vancouver completely flat? How much could one really see from a tower? Wouldn't houses and other buildings obstruct most of your view? So, that's a good question, actually. I don't know where you could really see from that kind of a thing.
3: That is a good question.
2: I'm not sure of the topography of the entire vancouver metropolitan area let's not go find out mm-hmm. did they ever say uh it, how much this was costing no all right all right uh, all right. uh here in just a few uh well really just moments uh we'll have more from tim riley and then tim riley will be getting his uh you'll be beginning your weekend uh, early yes getting a head start in your merriment and revelry mm-hmm. all right ladies and gentlemen at the ministry of truth tim riley
12: and now no. though, from the ministry of truth this is tim
3: riley David Duchesneau, who plays a sex maniac on Showtime's *California Cation, has entered a rehab facility for sex addiction. A 48-year-old actor said he is doing so voluntarily. I am asking for respect and privacy for my wife and children as I deal with the situation, as we deal with it with the family. Really? It's everyone's problem.
2: Yes, you know, it really, the best way to get privacy is to publicly announce that you're entering a treatment for sex addiction. That's really the way to make sure that people aren't. And doesn't on that show, doesn't he play a sex addict? Yes. I mean, that's a little weird. All right, well, whatever. doesn't matter.
3: Now Mexican authorities have found 12 headless bodies in the Yucatan Peninsula. Photos of the crime show 11 headless corpses stacked on top of each other in a field outside the city of Mirinda in the capital of the Yucatan. Some of the bodies have tattoos uh, jumbled in blankets and tarps. Uh, some are wearing denim clothing. A 12th body was found in a nearby town. Nobody knows why so far.
2: There are now 12 headless Mexican bodies. On that note... Are you out of here, Tim Riley? Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Everybody Riley. Everybody have a nice holiday weekend. Great new man in you. the history of the uh, world back at... Yeah, Tim uh, on his
3: way. I'm going to leave him a little stack of stories here on top of the keyboard.
2: Let's make sure that uh, all of the stuff out of your news pile gets thrown away, shredded, or otherwise vanishes.
3: Yes, please do.
2: And please take all of Tim's carefully... Fi- I'm not talking to, specifically to Timmy. Please take all the Tim's carefully felt news and shred it. Enjoy your weekend, Tim Riley. All right. <laughs> Literally <laughs> on the way out the door as he's on the way to the hallway. Jesus. All right. Uh, so, anywho. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 2970 right. Let's see. Well, what are we going to do here? We'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh, fill for a couple minutes here. Uh, I don't mean fill. I mean, we'll provide quality entertainment as only we can, flawlessly, Just, uh, with, uh, without, uh, without exception to the rule that every moment is genius. So we'll do some stuff here. We'll take a break here a little while. Uh, we'll come back at the top. Uh, we will have Susan Reynolds come in and join us for the top five. Today's top five, top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. Timmy Ryan will join us for the news. We'll talk to Scott Daly. Um, let's see. What have, I, what have I got that is going to sort of uh, work in, uh, in this space right here? Let's see. We've got – I wanted to ask you that thing about Rolling Stone, but it seems like it's going to trick – let me just ask you this, only because I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just going to ask you real briefly – Uh, to repeat your sort of observation about Rolling Stone magazine. And then later on when Timmy is here, i got a musical question for the two of you that we can maybe do as a sort of microcosm of what people are going to hear on uh, Musicology. Uh, There's something from 7 to 9. But you made a great observation yesterday about Rolling Stone magazine and sort of your your revelation that, wait a minute, this is a magazine I no longer need to care anything about.
4: Exactly. It's so irrelevant anymore. I, I mean, I'm sitting there reading it. And, I mean, I've gone back and forth with Rolling Stone for a while. I mean, it's a legendary magazine, has done a ton for rock journalism, period. Right. And so I'm going through, and I'm reading the reviews, and I noticed that they give four and a half stars to the Jonas Brothers new CD. Wow. My 11-year-old brother is all over that CD, whereas they give two and a half stars to Portland's very own, the Dandy Warhols' new CD, which is, I mean, granted they've had better... CD's come out, but really, the Jonas Brothers beat them out?
2: The thing about about Rolling Stone is, I mean, Rolling Stone is one of those magazines. Rolling Stone, I don't mean to sound like I'm sort of repeating uh, an off-spoken canard on this program, but Rolling Stone magazine does in many ways embody all the worst traits of a certain segment of the baby boomer generation. And it's that idea that, A... Look, it's not like you can't continue to have new music that you like and have broad interests and whatever, but at a certain point one has to admit that maybe one's view of things is a little bit jaundiced or flawed or maybe entirely not complete. Uh, And the the only thing worse than sort of not listening to new music or not embracing new music is just sort of doing this scattershot referencing of new music Mm -hmm. because you feel like it's going to make you look relatable. And Rolling Stone has gotten really, really bad about that. Um,
4: And not to mention they slammed a CD that has... Amazing, an amazing amount of Pet Shop influences, and anything that has that much influence and sounds fantastic, like that from an album like Pet Shop. Pet Sounds,
2: Beach Boys, Pet Sounds.
4: Am I? Are you talking
2: about the Pet Shop Boys? Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds. Um, Well, I will say this: Rolling Stone is sort of legendary. Even, even, uh, you know, even by the mid '90s, they'd sort of become a little bit famous for reviewing records kind of incorrectly. Uh, the, the most famous example of this is in 1991 when Nirvana's Nevermind came out. And Rolling Stone gave Nevermind, I think, like two stars or something. That's they gave it two stars exactly. and they called they called Smells Like Teen Spirit um, a uh, a Boston ripoff because it sounds like more than a feeling a little bit. And then in the same issue, of course, they gave Bandwagon S by Teenage Fan Club like four and a half stars, an album which I didn't even print anymore. You but can't the even Jonas find Boys. it. So the Jonas I, think, Boys. I don't know anything. See, and I don't know anything about them because I don't have any kids. I don't have – I got nothing. But they also – here's another famous thing that Rolling Stone did just a couple of years ago. Rolling Stone, when Mick Jagger put out whatever his last solo record was, um, it was not Wandering Spirit, it was whatever, I don't remember the title of it, but uh, Jagger put out some solo record a couple years ago, and here's the thing you got to know, Mick Jagger's solo records are always, without exception, bad, bad, they're awful, they're terrible. The only, the only thing Mick Jagger ever did as a solo artist that was even kind of good was Wandering Spirit, because Rick Rubin produced it, and they basically made it sound just like a Rolling Stones record. But as opposed to Keith Richards, who has fantastic solo projects, Mick Jagger's solo records are always just like the biggest grab, he's another guy who's just sort of grabbing at current trends. So, some guy reviews the Mick Jagger solo album for Rolling Stone, and they give it like a star and a half, and they're like, what the hell is this crap? Uh, And then... Jan Wenner, who is the publisher of Rolling Stone Magazine and a good friend of Mick Jagger's, pulls the review and has a review written that gives it five stars right. and then inserts that not only as a review, but as like the big set aside, like poll review that they flank with the huge, you know, the, the one that they pull and they put the big border around it, like in the article. So and there you I go. I mean,
4: these guys wonder why exactly they're losing yes. readership and subscriptions and it's like. It's because they. Oh.
2: Because they don't, pull it's right there. you know. Henry Rollins told a story about uh, picking up an issue of Rolling Stone and seeing In uh, Sync on the front, and he described it this way. And you know, it doesn't matter. I didn't like, it. not like I'm I'm above In Sync or anything, but Rollins's sort of take was he said that in a way it was great and it kind of freed him up because he thought, well, there's something I don't ever have to think about ever again, and he sort of took Rolling Stone off the pile of things that mattered to him. Uh, here's what we'll do: we will read two emails, we'll play one small song into the break, we'll come back. Uh, with Susan Reynolds, the top five. We'll have Scott Dowley from Film Fever Radio. We'll talk to Timmy Ryan. And uh, we'll do all of that right after we talk to our good friend Sarah Dillon, who is in the great city of New York. Hello.
17: Hi, Rick. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. We're um let's see, we're in the West Village right now. My sister and I were gallivanting about doing things.
2: Are you really gal I'm sorry, I was taking a swig of visa. Are you really gallivanting? Is that really an apt description of what you're doing?
17: Well we're kind of riding around in a thing.
2: You're riding so around in a thing. What kind of a thing are you are you taking you're uh, are you doing the um, are you doing the the uh the Woody Allen Manhattan thing where you're riding around in a horse drawn carriage and pretending it's not lame?
17: Um, not so much horse drawn carriage but it is a bus full of fifty high heeled clad women drinking cosmos on a sex in the city tour. You're taking
2: a sex in the city tour.
17: I am lame so awesome. It's so lame that it's it's amazing. It is amazing. There's like a, there's like a hundred people on a bus and they're all girls. And they're doing quizzes and stuff. It is the most ridiculously wait. Let me hold on. Let's
2: something. let's no 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 hold on. We have to back up. Leave nothing out. Okay. So are you on one of those? Is it like one of those double decker but like open topped buses?
17: Oh no no. This one's actually it's fully air conditioned. It's really nice actually. So it's the bus fully air conditioning has movie screens. What we'll do is we'll drive by like. Different se- different settings from the show and from uh-huh. the movie, and then they'll show the clips from the show that uh, which, in which that location was featured. It's actually really well put together. Uh-huh. So right now we're at Aiden's bar. for so all you ladies out there, scouts, And I just had a Cosmo. I know I kind of want to kill myself.
2: So I was just going to say, when you say no, 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 it's really well put together. How much of that is? I mean, I, I, well, the let girl me g-
17: was super rad. I told her about going out with uh, going out on a date with that dude, you know, Tom Bigbones with the good Craig Gas. Craig Gas. She's gonna incorporate that into her. She's like, I won't bring it up on this one. She's like, but just let so you know, you're gonna be part of my tour forever now. Because they were talking about how gross you was on the show. <laughs> That's
2: pretty cool. Um, all yeah. right. So I have to ask this: What does it cost to go on the Sex in the City tour, Sarah? If it was
17: forty bucks, and we got um, and they have discounts on the drinks uh, at the bar, so we got that, and we got a free cupcake from uh, what's the Magnolia's Bakery? Yeah. York, so so all right.
2: Good. That's pretty it's fantastic. Three
17: and a half hours for forty bucks. Good. Of
2: of all of the things, is it just you or, or is Heather and Heather there with you?
17: Oh, just just my Heather. Just Heather and I are doing it.
2: Uh, so, um, so of all the things you've seen so far on the Sex and the City tour, what is the what is the coolest? What's the best thing you've seen?
17: Well, I was really looking forward to having a drink, so I think this bar is pretty cool because they haven't changed a thing since the show. I mean, they know where their bread's buttered, right. so it's, it looks exactly the same. And just seeing all the locations and the restaurants, and we get to stop and go in the stores, you know, you could never afford anything. You know what's it's interesting? really neat.
2: It is fascinating, actually, when you look at the sort of aftermarket effects of shows like that, where once a show really takes hold... Anything even remotely Jesus? That guy even even after Michael Richards went crazy, that guy who does the the real Kramer tours in New York is still raking in the money. You just you can ride that gravy train forever.
17: Oh man, I know it is packed, and I thought it was gonna be a whole bunch of like old ladies from the burbs, something, and it's all like girls our age, and like some of them are super rich and snobby with accents, and they're wearing like high heels, and and I don't know, it's it's ridiculous and awesome. Do
2: you feel like you're in some live action version of The Hills?
17: It is. It's, there is actually a girl here that looks exactly like one of the girls from the hill. All right. I was just talking about that. They all do. You know,
2: it's, look, I, you know, I'm no one to point fingers because you know I've already I've already mapped out that the next time I go to New Jersey, I'm going to do the stupid Sopranos tour because I'm because I'm a tool. Oh. So you know.
17: Heck yeah, well, yeah, we went to the Brooklyn Bridge last night and saw The Shining, and that was beautiful. We're sitting on the on the dock, like with the water literally like two feet away from us, and, you know, looking at the bridge and the stars and the city. It's amazing.
2: Excellent. Uh, so, uh, big plans for tonight, for the rest of your weekend, before you come back.
17: Um, I think we're going to hit up the meatpacking district tonight and go to Hogs and Heifers, which is, like, the original um uh, Coyote Ugly. We actually went in there for a drink, but there was some girl dancing on the bar, but we, we only had ten minutes, so we weren't able to w- get in there. So we're going to go back w- there, I think, tonight and explore that area.
2: When you say meatpacking district.
17: There's actually, um there, there are, like, all these fancy, like, boutiques and ah, restaurants and bars and okay. stuff. Okay. That past there. Okay. Um, but across from it, they're literally shoveling dead, like, Skin cows, throwing them in the back of the trucks and stuff. It's
2: for real. You know, and the really weird thing is, and I and I really only know this from kind of watching Anthony Bourdain on television, but it, I, I think if you go, if you're there late, late, late at night, like if you're in one of those sort of, those meat districts at like 2, 3 a.m., uh, you get to see like them getting the whole market ready and all of the orders and all of the shipments and all of the kind of raw stuff coming in, and apparently it's really fascinating. It's kind of a Actually,
11: little...
17: I... A couple of years ago, I actually did see it. We went to Lotus, which is like some fancy schmancy about my friend mm-hmm. got us into a couple of years back. And we saw them all with the frozen trucks and like just, just like chucking all of the all of the meat into the trucks and like seeing like, like the huge warehouses full of, you know, meat hanging from hooks and stuff. It is really surreal. Very cool. All
2: right. Well, uh, I may not talk to you then before you get back. So uh, I will see you on Monday. Travel safe and uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much. You do the same. All right. Thank you, Sarah. There you go. Sarah Dillon, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, Let me just read this one email. I don't have time to do both. Uh, Read this one email, and then you... I'm not going to play us in a break. I'll do it later. Uh, This is from uh, a good friend, John Hughes. Not that John Hughes. He has a fine band called uh, Puffer, and we want to talk about that. This week, he he says... I'll just read it. Rick, this week could be a great time to tell people to save their gas money, spend $5. They go to Mount Tabor this Sunday, 31st of August. Doors open at 8. Uh, Puffer at 9. Lock and load. I think those guys are listeners, too. At 10. And from L.A., Cursed Lullaby At 11. Uh, details on the uh, space. So there you go. That is this coming Sunday, Mount Tabor, uh, the 31st. This coming Sunday, Mount Tabor. Doors open at 8. Uh, Puffer, Lock and Load, and Cursed Lullaby. Uh, that is this Sunday. So uh, do try to catch it. Let's take a break. Come back after this. Top five with Susan Reynolds. We'll do the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs. Uh, later on, Timmy Ryan will join us. We'll talk to Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. More of your phone calls. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Yes. Uh huh. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program, lovingly assembled in the United States by only the finest conglomeration of robots. It's 503 733 2970. Here's what's coming up later on in today's program. Uh, let's see, we will be. How uh, are we going to be doing? We'll talk to Scott Dowley from Film radio, uh, dot com. Uh, Timmy Ryan will uh, join us later on, do some news. We'll talk to Timmy and Kristen about what's coming up in musicology this Sunday. If I have a chance we did. I'm really proud of myself at these two worst songs you ever heard. We got to one of them yesterday. I'm trying to get to the other one today because it's because it's political. I mean, I guess it'll hold till next week, but you know, I want to get to. Uh, let me just read. Let's see what I got. I'm going to read this email which will then lead into our next segment for which Susan Reynolds will join us. Hello Susan. Hello. How are you today?
10: I'm fantastic.
2: All right. I like your shoes by the way. Thank you. Oh, I don't mean that in a uh, the gay kind of way. I no, that you're wearing these Chuck Taylors. They're they're badass. These Chuck Taylor all stars. <laughs> And they holding are, them
10: up for all to see.
2: What is the color of the actual shoe?
10: It is uh, supposedly charcoal and with a little red um, outline, I, I guess.
2: I dig those. They're fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So, did you get those at Zappos? No. Man, Zappos. That's a thing.
10: But I do I love Zappos. I don't. I yeah. don't
2: care who you are. I don't. You, you, the man, woman, child, uh, from what walk of life you may hail. You go to Zappos. This is not a paid endorsement. I'm just saying, Zappos.com, which is like. I, I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not even much of a shoe guy. I mean, I got a whole bunch of Chuck Taylors, and then I got two pair of dress shoes, and that's pretty much it. I can't imagine if I was somebody with something like weird, like Sarah, with some kind of shoe problem, like a shoe fetish or something. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I think
4: all girls. like 30 pairs.
2: Yeah. You might as well just get your checks cashed at that place. Yeah. So, All right. I'm going to read this email, then we'll do the top five. Uh, This is about Stevie Wonder at the DNC. This is from our good friend uh, Seamus, who actually is in Denver, Colorado. He says, Rick, I was looking forward to Stevie Wonder performing all day, only to be initially let down by him singing some song I've never heard of that nearly put me to sleep. What a wasted uh, chance to energize the audience. I really agree with that, by the way. He came out to Stevie Wonder, and I got more notes on this, but Stevie Wonder came out and he did two songs. And the first one was, it was like this seemingly like 45 minute long song, and it was like this sort of a cappella gospel meets, like, world music, which is not, like, necessarily bad. It was just sort of of not a very good song. It was an uninteresting melody, and it just seemed it was interminable. It just went on forever. And then, he says, then Stevie Wonder sits down at the piano, says he's got to sing a song for the next president and his wife because they've, quote, been messing with this song for a minute, and then Ricky breaks out, signed, sealed, and delivered. And then they keep cutting to Rosario Dawson getting down on the audience, she is, Rick, the second hottest woman on the planet after Scarlett Johansson. He says, God damn, it was badass. If Obama takes the White House, I want hail to the Chief to be replaced by anything by Stevie Wonder. F. Yeah, in all caps. And then he says, also, you know, the longer the DNC goes on, the more insane Wolf Blitzer continues to get. And he says, damn, I love American politics. Best game in town. I really agree with you on that. This... And I, I do have to just say, just for one moment before we roll the top five, there was... And there's a really, really great, I mean, there's a lot of great moments yesterday. But when Stevie Wonder, first of all, I love, you know, and I've talked about this before with concerts. I mean, I can rhapsodize endlessly about the best moment at a concert, a rock show, or live thing, or whatever. There's two really, really great moments for me at any rock show. One is the instant the house lights turn off, but before anything happens. The energy in the room. Seriously, it's yeah. like, you know, because then, you know, the house music is like, <laughs> and then, <sighs> You know, and the light, and just everybody is like, this is it. It's about, you know, about to begin. And, uh, you know, and I got to say, because all things, of course, tie into Kiss, the, the best moment I ever saw, ever, ever, ever for that, is on the '96 reunion tour for Kiss, which was just mind-blowing in like a hundred ways anyway. But they're doing, you know, the house music, and it's just going forever. And the final house music song, although I didn't know it at the time, uh, I get chills even think about it, the final house music song, which won't get fooled again by The Who. And there's that great scream where Daltrey goes, yeah! And so as soon as he hits that scream in the house music, bam, all the lights go off. And it's just, and the, you know, just like, ah! And everybody, and they must have, they held it for like 30 seconds before anything happened. And then they have this great trick. They, they, they kiss is the best gimmick they do that I, I'm just going to steal at some point. Where for like about 90 seconds before anything happens, they just play this incredibly loud, low droning note. So the light, the house lights go off, and then there's just a, and like so, it's like rattling your seat for like a minute and a half, and it just ratchets the expectations so high. The other great moment, of course, is when the instant, when the entertainer, the performer, the whoever, you know, walks on stage. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of those moments last night, and when Stevie Wonder walks out, man. Have, have you ever seen him? I in have co- not. I
10: will tell you what, I have, and and I am a huge Stevie Wonder fan, which is why I'm in here. Uh, because as soon as I heard you were doing this, I was like, Wait oh, a know. minute, yeah. who made this list? Lisa Wood. Okay. Um, so, you know, I uh he is unbelievable yeah. in
2: in, uh, in concert. And I really and I regret that I've never had I've never had the chance to see him because Stevie Wonder has now reached sort of rolling stone status in that it's an event because you know not like it's going to be the last time but it's it, it, but it, every tour feels like it, it it is the the final tour it could be the final tour and he doesn't tour that often no
10: in fact he, you know he rolled through about uh last year i think at the edge field like last summer yeah. yeah and by the time i even knew what was happening there were no tickets and i
2: because they just go in the blink of an eye
10: and heartbreak yeah, yeah but think you're they pulled
4: me. out in like 45 minutes
10: or so. Oh, or less. Yeah. And but, but
2: you're Susan Reynolds. Yeah,
10: and I believe me, I tried to use that.
2: <laughs> well, you know who I am. And
4: it did not work out,
10: which oh. is, you know, very disappointing. Your family
2: though. will vanish if I do not get tickets.
10: But I, you know, and I saw him in the 80s uh, in Chicago.
2: Like in the in-square-circle era, that kind of a thing? Yeah, yeah.
10: and, oh,
2: yeah. I'm telling you. I mean, almost don't want to see him now because I almost feel like maybe maybe I missed, missed the peak. You know, I missed the time to yeah, see him. Yeah, because
10: I think he really hit, you know, the, the late 70s. Early eighties oh, was, was kind of his magical time, and um and that's when I saw him. And I remember sitting at the concert, and I mean, just crying yeah. because some of the songs are so
2: beautiful. You know, and he just uh you know not just yeah, the eyes I mean, on and on and on and on about Stevie Wonder, but I mean, really, there's you know, and what the hell do I know? I and mean, I'm just some lame idiot from the suburbs, <laughs> but I mean, but look, here's the thing: I got to say that I have a very limited taste for and kind of connection with uh soul, R and B. Certainly, with funk, you know, like like Parliament, Funkadelic, and that stuff, where I can sort of, it's like I can sort of see that it's that it's great. I just, but it doesn't, it's not really my thing. It doesn't really connect with me. And especially modern R and B, you know, like anything sort of past, like the '70s. I just, I just don't really. So for even, you know, so when I listen to Stevie Wonder, and even I'm going like, that's the most righteous thing I've ever heard. Like that's how you know, man. He just. There was a while where Stevie Wonder was strumming the universal chord, Absolutely. you know, and he would just hit it, and everybody would be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we now present today's top five.
1: Five, four, three, two, one, fire! Counting
9: is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best
4: thing
0: to do. Counting
5: is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count,
2: don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, please give your undivided attention to Susan Don't F with me Reynolds as she presents today's Top 5.
10: Well, first we have the honorable mention, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm
2: yours. So, uh, I went downstairs today because... Chris Paddock is often my, he's sort of my my default guy, so I'm like, hey, because, you know, he's he's usually here when I'm here, knows a lot about music, whatever, and plus he and I can just sit and nerd each other into a ladder about, (laughs) I've seen it. So I went downstairs, I'm like, hey, and I told him, I said, you know, this is a thing, I know just enough to, to screw this up, so please help me, top five Stevie Wonder songs, you know, in terms of funkiness, and Lisa Wood just came out of her chair. Let me tell you. And she just, she spat most of them out right then.
10: Well, I I wish I had been in the room, but okay, whatever. You know, I'll have my thoughts in a moment.
2: This is, I mean, it's hard to put these in any kind of order, but.
10: Yeah, and as I was upstairs thinking about it, I was writing a bunch of stuff down, and they're not in any order, because they're all great. Right. They're all number one with me.
2: But you talk about a guy who has, at least at a certain point, had what seemed to be an inexhaustible supply of melodies, and different ways to, I mean, these songs all, you know, they they move, you know what I mean? It's like that. I hate to say, like, you know, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. But you know what I mean? It's like they've got that certain something. It's and you know? not like
4: trying to replicate one hit. He has oh, like yeah. different sounds with every song.
2: And you can always tell a Stevie Wonder song, but they don't all sound the same. Exactly. And I mean, even I'm just sitting at my desk this morning, just a, you know, and I'm I'm like, uh, I'm just like the least interesting or funky guy on earth. <laughs> and I'm sitting there at my desk like doing the, you know, like the bad, like lame bobbing back and forth. So these are the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time.
10: And we ready for number five? Yeah, that would be Living for the City. A boy born in See, we're doing it now. Oh, yeah, we are. I'd be singing except that you would shut my mic off.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. It's
2: okay. You know what I bought at the Weird Al show is I bought the the, the white shirt and it's like the Wonder Bread logo and it just says white and nerdy. So I really ought to be wearing that right now. You really ought to be. I'll wear it next Friday. Thank you. So cool sounding. It's got that cool little hint of menace.
10: Uh, Oh, and it really gets menacing.
4: It's just evidence that he doesn't need complexity behind him totally. to make a good song. It's
2: very simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very basic song. Maybe simple is the wrong way to put it, but I mean, it's very, very few moving parts of the song. Number four. Number four. Another great one. Higher Ground. He's another one of those, one of those guys that you don't... You, If somebody were to initially ask you how many Stevie Wonder songs do you know, you might know two or three, and then you realize you know like 50. Oh, yeah. Wow.
10: And and again, this was off that Inner Visions album, which was just, I mean, like every song, great. I
1: don't
4: know if I've ever heard of bad Stevie Wonder song.
2: Oh, they exist. Really? Uh, I introduce you to The Secret Life of Plants. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The Secret Life of Plants is... No lie, it is. If I recall correctly, a double concept album mm-hmm. told from the point of view of plants.
10: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I have it. <laughs>
2: yeah, you don't want to. Including a song called I think there's a song, I think it's Black Orchid is the song I'm thinking of. It really is like one of the most cloying, syrupy things you've ever heard in your life. I urge you to avoid that.
10: Yeah, he can do syrupy. I mean, you know, but, you know, whatever. I mean, but, but who am I to criticize? Is still
1: oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No lie. Wow.
2: Just so great. Uh, counted on the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time.
10: Okay, number three, and this, you know, could be used in a campaign.
2: This is my sole contribution to the list.
10: And a great one. You ain't done nothing. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah.
2: Fat Boy screaming something at the window. Is this just going to become a list that everybody must add to? Is this going to be like? No, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of
16: personally, um, I, I feel bad because you're doing a list about Stevie Wonder and I was not the first person you came to. You weren't
2: here. You were well, still asleep.
10: I said the same thing.
2: Oh, uh, well, you've
10: had like four people hunting it him. Seriously, something.
2: it's like I've been hectored by everybody in the building about this. <laughs> I'm just saying. Stevie,
16: Marvin, raised on it. Like, if you could put it in a baby bottle and stick it in my mouth, that's what I was reading. You,
2: home, sleeping, me here working, putting right, together a right, list.
16: All right, just, all, right, all right. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, it's, just, it's a good list so far. It's a good list so far. Oh, we're not done. Okay. All yeah. right. bitches. Not everyone my gets my off own. work at midnight. Oh, 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 Susan added one. So
2: this will be good. Seriously, this is like some Ginsberg poem now where everybody has to add their own stanza. <laughs> I mean, Come on, listen to that.
16: It's fantastic.
10: It's also that's on my song. list. You know, so I, I, I endorse
1: you, but you brought this
10: Okay, now the head-bobbing just... Bobbing
2: just uh, seriously, really this is one of those lists, though, that is di- almost dangerous sometimes because we, we don't even... Co- we just fall into just sitting here. It's like a commentary where the director just stops talking and watches the movie. That's what we do with stuff like this.
16: Have you mentioned that on a lot of these tracks, Stevie himself played the drums?
2: Yep. Okay. Uh, he plays almost all the instruments. I don't think I mentioned it, but I did know that he plays all the instruments yeah. on some of these.
16: Yeah. yeah um. Actually, if uh, the more computer-savvy of your listeners want, they can go to a YouTube, type in Stevie Wonder Drum Solo. Uh-huh. There's a, he did an appearance... At, I forget what show it was. I want to say that maybe Shin dig or hullabaloo, remember back when they had all those funky little dance shows with all those goofy names back in the 60s? Uh At one point, he has a handler come out, grab him by the arm, lead him to the drum set, and for two and a half minutes, he rips off a drum solo that Keith Moon would have wet his pants to have pulled off. Excellent. So look that up on YouTube, uh, Stevie Wonder drum solo. It's amazing. All
2: right, then. Uh, Susan Reynolds, where are we on the list of the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs?
10: Uh, Number two, I Wish.
2: I agree. Okay, I'm I'm good with this. You know, my whole thing with this, and I know, again, it's because maybe my my sort of music sensibilities generally lie more in the sort of, like, rock or flat-out pop, you know, area of things. That's my sensibility. But but as I've sometimes said about other artists, I don't even know how you would write this. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I my brain, I couldn't write a song like this if you put a gun to my head. I can take, I can do a passable job of writing a pop song, a country song, a rock song, because I kind of know the gears. You know, I know the component parts. I can sort of bluff my way through writing a song in most genres if I have to. I I couldn't write. If you gave me an infinite number of typewriters to type on for an infinite number of years, there's no way that I could do this.
16: The trick to funk music is uh, not to look at it as a uh, a giant, well-put-together piece. Funk you have to reduce down to like nice little four or eight bar chunks. And then you're, they're basically like little uh, funky plastic Lego bricks that you just keep stacking. Like if you listen to this song, there's... until you
4: find one that sounds the best for what you're. Yeah, to, yeah.
16: You, you basically it's, a bit, it's like build a bear except with you know bass guitar. <laughs> that's essentially how funk works. I mean, you got like a nice little eight bar drum pattern, and then okay, I'll throw a little eight bar keyboard pattern on top of that. I'll throw a nice little eight bar. Uh, bass build pattern. build a
2: funk workshop. Exactly. That's <laughs>
4: sort of how funk works. But and then basically, I don't even know how you would write the notes out to them.
16: You you sometimes you don't. Yeah. Uh, James Brown didn't know how to write a lick of music. He would well, just basically go into the studio, point at the guy on bass, "Give me this." And then he'd do that and he'd just loop himself over and over again. A lot of
4: those masters are like that though too, yeah. where they just they had no idea on how to write musically, but they could crank out mm. fabulous sounding tunes like yeah. I nothing.
16: Mean, and, and this is a classic example of one of those building block uh funk songs. Yes. All right, Susan Reynolds.
2: We are at the number one song. Top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs as put together uh, by our own Lisa Wood. Superstition. All right, now... I know you feel this is perhaps too overplayed to be number one.
10: Well, I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I love everything by this guy. But I, I think, uh, you know, there are,
6: uh,
10: I don't know that number one, you know, like we said, it was hard to put these in order. This is a great song. Very funky, for sure.
2: And I know he plays the drums on this one. And in fact, here's the great thing about this track. There's like a hundred great things about this track. Mm-hmm. One is that little, that, that horn pattern that starts that, na-na-na, na-na, But also, if you listen really closely to this with headphones, you can hear it. His chair squeaking which I love I love stuff like that it's like it's like in a guitar when you can hear their fingers slide if you listen to this it's like on the Nebraska album by Springsteen if you listen really carefully you can hear his chair squeaking as he's like you know kind of doing that gyrating in place thing which is just
16: this is one of the most covered songs of all time I think there's only like maybe two covers that do it justice one of those uh, Timmy Ryan was talking about it uh, back in the uh, the listening room uh,
2: please don't say Stevie Ray Vaughan oh god Ray-Von. I hate Stevie Ray here's,
16: here's the problem with covering this song you don't you can't only... The only reason it works is because you got to have that clavinet. Right. A lot of people think he's playing a guitar here. He's not. No. This is a really early clavinet. This is the first real attempt to try and make a keyboard sound like a guitar. That's why it's so funky.
2: And I've told this story like a hundred times, but it bears repeating. Speaking of going to YouTube and looking things up, go to YouTube. Uh, I'm going to run out of time, so I'm going to restart this at the beginning. Everybody has to be fine with that. Uh, Go to YouTube and watch Stevie Wonder performing this on Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. And here's the great thing about it. And I don't want to get all... Flowering and Aaron Sorkin about it and everything, but you know there there are moments. Here's the thing: you grow up, especially in America, maybe especially in a certain kind of America or in a certain genre or to a certain a certain or rather certain sort of social strata or to a certain kind of family, and you are sometimes told things about the way that certain cultures are supposed to interact or maybe not interact, and maybe you're taught that you know, you know maybe you just you just don't grow up. Uh, you grow up being told a lot of things by your parents that aren't true. You grow up being t- filled with maybe divisiveness or racism or uh, a sense of of separation, you know. And you know you get your he- head filled with that when you grow up, and then there y- you will encounter things that just hits you on such a deep base level that goes underneath the radar of all of that crap and just immediately connects with you and gives the lie to all of that and. You watch Sesame Street when Stevie Wonder's playing "Superstition," and you know Sesame Street is a very, you know, it's a very diverse show in terms of the types of people and kids who are on there. When he's playing this, the camera at one point starts to fade up to there was like a little like a terrace up above on one of the apartments, and there's this kid up there, and he's like this little white kid with long hair, and he is just losing his mind. I mean, and Stevie Wonder, and it's like, and it's Sesame Street, but he's bringing it, like he's, it's a full, and this kid is up there, and he's got his hands on the rail, and he's bent over, and he is just whipping his head around, and he is just, it is like bliss. And you know what? That is the great thing about music, because I don't care where you come from, what you're told, what you are, how you are instructed to believe growing up, you hear this and you go, well, that's it, man. I mean, it's, you know, it just, it... It speaks in a way that, that nothing else really can.
4: And to watch someone experience that for the first
2: yeah.
1: time is and, groundbreaking. And, and to hear it described makes yeah. you, yeah. you goosebumps. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, no,
2: and and no matter what you were ever raised to believe or to think or whatever, you hear this and you're like, you're like, all right, that's it. Like this is this is what keeps us together. Like this is the thing.
10: Right. And and the other thing about Stevie Wonder that I would say is it seems like people like him who like all types of music. Yeah. You know, like even hardcore rock guys like Stevie Wonder and respect him totally. for the things that he's done. Right. So you know, to me. It sort of crosses over. I mean, my parents would listen to Stevie Wonder yeah. and just, you know,
2: be all into it. Mm-hmm. Totally, um, you know. So it's it's just it was it's a really great moment. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, go on YouTube oh, and I'm watch that. Check it that is out. Mm-hmm. it is so it is so glorious, and it really does hunter thompson said this great thing he said that art is a lie that tells the truth you know so something that is a work of fiction can still work to convey a truth sometimes greater than a non-fiction people and we can try all kinds of things all kinds of speeches all kinds of whatever to sort of bring people together or sort of tear down walls or you know there's sort of a creative sense of unity but man sometimes you get the right piece of art to the right person at the right time and you know, it just makes everything so absolutely clear. All and so... it takes
4: is um, raw talent and just a little bit of imagination. You can you can convince anyone
2: of anything right. funk is what keeps the world together ladies mm-hmm. and all right, right. well and all right. you
4: know now I, I appreciate
10: this list of course i love all these songs i think a few were left off all right if so, i might say
2: you clarify the list for us and uh, we'll take a break we'll come back with scott daly and so forth after that
10: all right uh boogie on reggae woman ah. funky song great song you don't know it
2: now uh, see i got you know
10: Boogie on reggae woman. oh it is <laughs> wow yeah, okay all right well uh, let's see how about don't you worry about a thing
16: that one's cool that one's cool I, don't, I, I think it maybe would be an honor, honorable mention at best. I don't know if
2: I'd put it on a top five, but that's a good song. How about Master Blaster? Master Blaster is a great song. I almost ooh, put that on. Ooh, ooh, I love that song. How about Sir Duke? Yeah, Sir Duke is great too. Oh, I that, like that. That one's great because it
16: also sort of speaks to what you were just talking about. It's Stevie's little shout out to uh, all the artists who inspired him right? even mm-hmm. tried to even try to sing. I mean, and the man is transformative when he sits down behind that keyboard. So yeah. to hear him talk about his inspirations, I mean. You got it. That's a history lesson right there. Yeah. record, you go straight back to the. You dive back into the crates yourself.
10: I mean, I had these all the ones that we mentioned here too uh, on my list. Too high. What about that one? Ooh. Uh huh. Oh, all
1: man.
10: right. So we could go on and on, and and I'm going to propose that at some point, mm-hmm. maybe on Valentine's Day. Yes. On Valentine's Day, we're going to do the top five Stevie Wonder love songs, and I already have the list.
2: All right, sister, all right. it's all you. I, the only thing you got to wanna... consult with him or he's going to come in and screech again. <laughs>
16: the the only thing I want to add is uh, maybe your baby. When you when you played, oh. uh, you haven't done nothing. I've always considered maybe your baby sort of the companion piece of that. It's mm. a little slower, it's a little nastier. It's got the horns basically from Superstition, just kind of redone, retwisted. It's it's like a nice um, warped funhouse mirror version of Superstition mixed with. Uh, uh, you haven't done nothing. That that I would I suggest you seek out.
2: You know, it's so. All right. I we gotta, love us. And well, and, and you guys both know, and especially Bobby, you know that I I got to restrain myself, or else I just start to I just start to gush and just start to be some big dumb evangelist <laughs> about like you know, and this is what makes us all together and blah blah blah. You know, what it is just uh, you know, it's what makes the world go round. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, Susan, don't f with me, Reynolds, uh, Fat Boy Roberts, uh, Rock 101, K UFO, seven the midnight. Take a break. Back after this, Timmy Ryan with the news. Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Don't go anywhere. We return momentarily. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. It is 503-733-970. All right, so I had to tear myself away. No offense. Everybody's back in Adam's booth watching the Sesame Street clip I know, of Stevie I to Wonder, it. and then a little lip-syncing. That's live, uh, and they keep cutting that kid up on the terrace. Who's just going, yeah! So, yeah, it is. Uh, you realize that music really is the music is the gigantic boot that kicks down uh, sort of all of those fake doors that get put up. It's just just glorious, is what it is. All right. Um, well, let's uh, in just a moment. We'll talk to uh, Timmy Ryan, who has some news for us. Uh, let's welcome to the Rick Emerson show from FilmFeverRadio.com, the one and only Scott Dally.
14: Hello, sir. Hello. I feel very honored to be on the Tim Riley microphone.
2: I'm sorry, say that one more time.
14: I feel very honored to be on the Tim Riley microphone. Yes,
2: yes it is. Um,
14: I, I won't touch it. I won't breathe on it. I'll no, you know, yes. exhale away from it.
2: No, it's... Uh, it stays it on No, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm looking in Tim's news tray, which was full, and now it's empty. I told,
4: it. I told him to take some because
2: he All right. Tim I'm be Timmy some news. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that news. This is sort of like when you got it, like when the magician started to do misdirection with like, look at the rabbit, and then meanwhile they're like shoving a woman into a box or something. I'm going to keep an eye on that news to make sure it doesn't vanish. We've uh, had problems with news vanishing.
14: I have, I have a special announcement uh, concerning our friend Jason Crump of Vanished Twin Photography. Yes, sir. Uh, he is now the father of a beautiful girl. Excellent. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, Jason. Yes, yes, congratulations. Uh, Scarlett Lynn was born at 440 a.m. this morning. Five pounds and one ounce. All right. So, uh, congrat- little girl. so way to go, Jason. Ashley, congratulations both of you.
2: Congratulations. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show uh, uh, salutes you. So, uh, well, well done. Congratulations. Go. We'll go. uh, see you when we're done. Mazel and so forth. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, oh, that's oh. my stock. Oh. <laughs> there's a black sock in I here I have an interesting it, it's right? actually not mine I think it's my wife's but I have an interesting story sort of behind it who oh, wants to hear it sure uh, so the story is I don't think Kristen wants to <laughs> no I brought this black sock which is clean by the way uh, I brought this in because you know we were making the we were telling them at the, end of the other day about how you got certain things that vanish you know like sunglasses and ballpoint pens and, and individual socks right and so it's like a well known cliche like why do you only lose one sock just like why do you only see one shoe on the highway so here's the other thing. The other day, I'm doing my laundry, go down to the dryer to get some dry clothes out, take out a pair of jeans, bah, 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 putting the jeans on, watch this lump, and seriously, way down, down, like way down in the bottom of my jean, uh, jean pocket is this sock. And at some point during either the washing or the dry cycle, this sock got into the pocket of my jeans all the way down to the bottom, and I think was just making a break for it. Um, so now we've deduced how this happens. The socks smuggle themselves out of the laundry in other clothes.
14: It wasn't a backup sock of any kind?
2: It was the, uh, <laughs> it was the sock that cannot be discussed, <laughs> the reserve sock. <laughs> no, so it's like prisoners making a break in the mail truck or something. This is how the socks get away. They hide inside the pockets of other clothes. So everybody go home, search your laundry, search it
14: now. The more you know. I'm not crazy. Hi, Scott. Hi. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have no socks in my pockets.
2: Filmfeverradio.com. Yes, sir. What's New up? show
14: will be up uh, later on today with Aaron down at DragonCon in Atlanta this week. Uh, we once again call on the power of the mighty Court and fat boy to sit in for us. And uh, it's a fantastic show, really about nothing. Uh, the movie opens up this week as a Disaster Movie. And I'm sorry, F that. I'm not going to see a Disaster Movie. Why would you? Well, that's from the. Meet the Spartans, the movie blah, group, blah, blah, thing, blah, blah, crap. Blah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. So, we, on this week's show, we just have all kinds of fun and tumble-range shenanigans. And go there right now to filmfeverradio.com and you can upload the Batman and Robin drunken commentary. So,
2: I've already gotten some emails about that. Here's one. Uh, let's see. This one says uh, Film Fever. Uh, Rick, I listened to the Film Fever commentary for Batman and Robin last night. At first I was miffed that I had to go to the video store and have people see me actually renting Batman and Robin, but boy, it was worth it. It's a great commentary, and I hope Aaron Scott, Fatboy, Jason et al. continue to not only do commentaries for the movies we love, but for the movies we all hate. Um, also, Jason takes the cake from anyone associated with your show for disproportional rage. He is genius, and as a guarantees for the commentary, I will simply say F. Stan Lee.
14: There we go. Oh, there yeah, we go. no, I uh, thought... 20, well, first of all, the funny thing about the, the Batman and Robin commentary, uh, like three in the afternoon, a few hours before the commentary started, I sent this massive text to everybody coming. Um, does anybody actually own Batman <laughs> and Robin? <laughs> no. So thank you, madam and Chris, for actually going to the video store and, and humiliating yourself by renting it for us. And also a big thanks to Dan of popculturezoo.com. Yeah. His wife, Sonia, makes home brews. She brewed up a special batch of Film Fever Amber Ale, and oh, OMG, it was delicious.: Excellent. And, and, and uh, took, care of, took care of business too. Did we bring good. any in? Huh? No, the, 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 the stipulation, if she made it, we'd have to drink it all, so we drank it all. The full keg.
2: This is sort of like when your father tells you, if you order that, you're going to clean you're your plate. The whole you food. order those waffles right. with strawberries on top, you are not leaving until they're gone. So,
14: yeah, the commentary was fantastic, probably one of our better ones. Uh, about 20 minutes into the film, Fatboy goes off on this whole F. Stan Lee thing. And just, it's, it's, a, a room full of geeks, when someone says F. Stanley, the place just explodes. Very cool. And, of course, it's Batman and Robinson, The movie just sucks. We had a drinking game. How many, Every time someone spoke to nobody right. or spoke to the camera... You drink. Uh, you know. And can, we got good and good. <laughs> and I'm actually going to reveal
2: something. I'm going to reveal something here that I've only ever really seen like half of that. Okay.
14: And it's because it was sort of drifting by in HBO one night and I was too lazy to get off the sofa. It's terrible. First 20 seconds, Clooney's ass shot, followed by and, and wow. Nippley by the uh, n- you know, nipples <sighs> yeah. in the bat suit.
2: You know, the thing about the nipples terrible. on the Batsuit, it's not like that is necessarily terrible as such. I mean, I guess it's weird, but it's weird how you just sort of. You grab onto that as the microcosm of all that is wrong. <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones in the fridge. Yeah. You know, you, you look at Indiana Jones getting in a fridge, and you go, "Well, there's your problem right there." Well, clearly that's not the problem, but that is—it is symbolic of a larger, of a larger concern. That's exactly right. Uh, hello, Timmy Ryan. Hey, hey! so here's the thing. You can either do some uh, news headlines for the people, or I can throw you and Kristen Bowie and uh, Scott uh, Daly sort of an ad hoc, spontaneous, uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants music topic, which might be, uh, speaking of uh, microcosm, might be a small uh, glimpse into the window that gives to a thing in which the courtyard and there's the tree that is So it's a shameless
20: plug for musicology, which airs Sundays from 7 to 9 here on AM 970, The Talker.
14: Yes. I think we know where Timmy wants to go.
2: All right. So here's uh so yesterday we were playing uh the new single from ACDC, which is called Rock yeah. and Old Crane. Yeah. And I will say this that in a in a really in a world of, of changes and instability, you can always count on ACDC. DC. You There's know rock, no man. They I will say that they do I mean, they do that particular kind of rock and that kind of hard rock better than anybody's ever done it, better than anybody ever will. They are the, the absolute Gold standard. A, a bad ACDC song is better than almost anything else in the hard rock genre. And after right?
4: you hear a bad Metallica song, you can count on ACDC yes. to sound... They
2: better. take the same, like, nine Legos.
20: They put them in, like, different orders. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I, make, like, I make, like, a new Lego car and with make every Castle
4: single
2: time. School every single right. time. Yeah. Somebody ought to do...
20: It sounded like Fatboy.
2: Exactly. Speaking of Never taking the same nine again. Legos and rearranging them. <laughs> say that again. So, you know what somebody ought to do? Somebody ought to do a webpage where it's like a little flash animation where you can create your own ACDC song. With, like, the one drum beat... The one dun, dun 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 the you know baseline and, and then the they like scream.
20: E A and G and then like v. staccato yeah. the
2: staccato uh, recycl- you know, re- uh like repetitive that game on guitar lick. Yeah. yeah.
20: And then like yeah, kind of the open. same
14: sort of intelligible yeah. singing. and like
1: he's got a steam Right. Hey yeah.
14: ba- you know, Brian Johnson doing that has sold millions of albums exactly. Why why, why mess with Have you ever boy? heard uh have you ever heard him and his old band Geordi? Yes. And where they do that yes. weird House of the
2: Rising Sun cover? Yes. It's all very strange. Uh, anyway, so here's my question to Kristen Bowie, Timmy Ryan, hosts of Musicology, 7 to 9, and to Scott Dally. Um So the new ACDC album, Black Ice, which comes out October 20th, will be sold exclusively at Walmart. Shamefully. My question is, is that selling out? And as a follow-up question, what is selling out in 2008? Go.
20: I'll start it off. First off, I, I think it's a bad marketing move. I think basically making it exclusively at Walmart's a bad idea. If they wanted to give Walmart the advance on it and say, yeah, we're going to let you guys sell it for the first, uh, first six months, it's yours exclusively. Fine. But it's kind of like an artist just going through Starbucks. I think it has kind of a bad stigma. And number two, I think selling out is any time that you take – it's, it's changing in order to make money. And I understand that's kind of the name of the game, but it's just like, it's kind of like Gwen Stefani in a lot of ways. Gwen Stefani was this rocker, punk rock chick we were talking about The yeah. Scott and I were talking about this in the hall. And she went from like this hard rocker chick and said, F any kind of substance that I have, I'm now just going to sell my soul to whoever I have to to make a lot of money, and she's weakened her product. She's taken a strong shot of whiskey and basically made it into a pee water.
14: See, I think there's a difference wow. between, between doing what you do and selling out. For example, I'll give Pink Floyd the example. I mean, Pink Floyd's music has kind of developed over the last 40 years or so, uh, but I don't think they ever really sold out per se, no, like Gwen that's Stefani. Certainly, that's certainly not true. You don't think so? Well, never mind. No, never no, mind. No, no. I, I, I promise. Know. I
2: was never mind. I was not gonna. I was not gonna interfere. Rick, I, I, I would like gonna, to know what you mean by no, that. No, no, no. I was gonna follow the prime directive and not and <laughs> not, and not okay. in, of non-interference. I would like to know what you think of that. So well, well, I'll, we'll do. do the, you the, like Kristen, the new
4: Metallica Crystal?
2: No, hold on. I hold like on. the new Metallica single. Actually, all right. Well, let's get Chris's us. Chris is okay. selling out. What is um, it?
4: I, I don't think they're selling out. I think you know we saw, bad example of different genre, but we saw Garth Brooks make record sales at Walmart, mm-hmm. and I don't think the state of the music industry today, everybody's having a hard time making money. Period. If you're going to choose music as a living, it's like choosing radio as a living. You do what you gotta do. You know, I don't think there's necessarily selling out th- at this point. 20 years ago, sure, you know, but now it's totally, entirely different because of the fact that everyone's struggling. Everyone's struggling to make their living, and if that's how you do your living, you do what you got to do. Okay, I'll, I'm
20: going to tell you this, though. The problem with, that I have with them selling exclusively at Walmart, another thing. One of that, our fine sponsors, by yes. the way. Yeah, Walmart, of
2: course. So tread lightly. A, a fine, fine, a fine. Price. sponsor who's advertising we welcome and value.
20: All right. Yes. So selling their album now exclusively at Walmart's, Black Ice, uh, I think is a bad move because Walmart has had a history of taking albums and censoring them down or only selling the censored version. Uh, um, What what, what is the subject matter of almost every single ACDC song? Sex, Booze, and Satan. I'm going to interject right there. Sex, Booze, and Satan. And five years ago, Walmart probably wouldn't wouldn't have even touched the album. Why are they selling it now?
4: I'm going to interject because of the fact that they have stopped doing that as much. Ten years ago, yeah, I'd see your point there. But they haven't – they've stopped doing it because they've seen where the money is exactly in their records, and it's with these lyrics that aren't necessarily, you know, under their morality or whatever. They've calmed down on that, and – They've opened themselves. Opened so are we a lot going to artists? see the
20: new album being, you know, um, being advertised on the 700 Club now?
2: But I would say, here's the, if I can interject, I would also say it's not like Walmart does that against anybody's wishes. You know, Walmart does that with the artist's consent. They sold a censored version of In Utero, but that's because Kurt Cobain. You know, if filled with integrity as he was, uh, changed a whole bunch of crap for Walmart.
20: But if you were to, like, back in the day, try to sell an AC/DC album, everything is going to be beeped or blanked out, or they're going to have to take the track off because every single song was about Satan, girls, or booze, and, or in some cases, all. out. Is... Why was I
0: dumped? It, uh,
2: did you not, do you not get the memos around here?
20: <laughs> <laughs> That's what the song was called.
2: Yeah, I understand we that. We played it on
20: KUFO. And I Are play you playing it now? Yes. Are I... you
2: positive? If I ask Chris Paddock, I'm, am I going to get the same I'm answer?
20: I'm pretty sure we have played the song.
2: Here's the thing. Let me just say they this. Gonna, bees, let me tell you this. I know that there. I know that there have been the uh, uh, radio stations in our own uh, corporation recently that have received memos specifically regarding that song. Why? Because I was. They're just talking why? about gigantic party. Do you even work in the same industry we work in? Why? He All right, Jesus.
4: Little, like, All right. Well, okay, have, but the,
2: let me
20: just. Oh, look. it's kind of like it's kinda like some radio stations that that. Just one other thing that really, really made me mad. That song, "Don't Funk with My Heart" by the Black Hat Peas. They actually changed it to don't mess with the right. art. They actually censored a song that did not need censoring.
2: He's Timmy Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. You can hear him Sunday night, Seven Eye Musicology with Kristen Bowie. Back to your thing about Pink Floyd. Yes. Here, here's my deal with Pink Floyd is that I know you can say that there were you know there's an artist changes, lineup changes, and everybody you knows people who there's a lot of people who misguidedly point to sort of Sid Barrett is not Sid Barrett's an unappreciated genius. Here this there's this song that was just like Penguins squawking and like a guy kicking a tin can. It's Chris brilliant. Pat- Here comes Chris Patrick. Um, so, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's already one of those days. Well, let me finish the Pink Floyd thing. Yeah. So people can talk about about Sid Barrett. And I think Sid, the Sid Barrett era of Pink Floyd is sort of, a, it's sort of its own separate animal. And I think if you ask the guys even in Pink Floyd, even when they were touring with Roger Waters, they didn't play a lot of stuff in the Barrett era because they right. felt it wasn't represented of the band. To me, the definitive lineup of a band occurs when they coalesce with the broader buying public or with the marketplace or with the mainstream. That being said, you know, once Roger Waters left, you know, you've got sort of this, like, Pink Floyd light that is touring. And and my thing would be, like, what if Paul and Ringo were to get, like, two other guys and tour as the Beatles? It's not the Beatles. But Paul and Ringo and two other guys. When Queen toured. Not Queen. No.
14: Okay, but my At least they were Queen with Paul Rogers. Yeah, I mean.
20: What's wrong with David
14: My Pink Floyd... Uh, point was this? It was it wasn't to do with blind-up changes things right. like that. It, it's the selling out piece. You've never heard a Pink Floyd song nah. used for any product. We I don't know that that's true.
2: I, yeah. I I I don't. I can't play for I don't know that the... it is, but I'm I thinking don't... you might be wrong about yeah. that. I think so. I don't know. Uh, well, let's just, just let's As far just do as Sal is that's Chris happening. Paddock, do you want to weigh in? Uh, we got some calls to get to. But we not, uh, play
20: that song? Did you not play that song. Do not play that song. I thought I've heard it. There was a, there was some controversy about
2: that song, oh, and so... I
3: think I informed Rick about that. We were just talking because I was yes. saying
2: that years ago, way back in the day, I got suspended for playing that. Yes. And then we were talking about how there is. And, and uh...
3: guess what? What comes around goes around, and it's back
20: again. Like,
3: don't play that song.
20: So yes. hold on here. So it is possible that. Within the the last year, that perhaps that song has been played, possibly, and played in a uh, you know uh, you know a three three and three on the way from acd say set. Well, uh, first
3: off, it's ACDC, not AC HCD say. What I
20: said. Okay, fine, but it, Bam. It, it's possible that I have played
2: it. So, but clarification: the the, the going forward,
3: going forward, probably not the wisest decision. Hence the Rick Emerson
2: story. And now Timmy's getting what we call the long stare. Yeah. yeah uh, all right. Do we have TV do we have time to do uh do we have time to do brief calls or we have to break?
4: Yeah, we've got about a minute and a
2: half. Uh all right, let's do these uh you know what, let's break. Let's get the break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, hang tight. We will do uh, calls around the corner at the top of the hour. Like us coming up at three, Michael Memory show at seven. Uh, musicology Sunday, seven to nine with Timmy Ryan and Kristen Bowie. Stay there. Back after this to wrap it up. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Like us at 3, Michael Mara show at 7. Uh, tomorrow, Car and Driver Radio 6 to 9, Miles Around 9 to 11. News Ecology, Sunday night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. with Kristen Bowie and Timmy Ryan. Uh, all right, Scott Dallig for a yes. every round of time here. So FilmFeverRadio.com, the new episode up now.
14: The new episode will be up in a few hours. Uh, I spent the morning editing, and uh, Aaron being in Atlanta is just going to throw it up there real quick when he has a chance. So it'll be up in a couple hours, probably by 7 tonight. And the and Batman and uh, Robin commentary. Batman and Robin commentary is already golden. Thank you to that listener who sent that email. Uh, we love doing those commentaries. They're a blast. And next, next year, Batman and Robin was punishment for Aaron. In September, my because I hate musicals, is going to be West Side Story.
2: West Side Story is a fantastic film. Whatever.
14: You shut your mouth about West Side Story. All right. It's about the singing,
2: dancing. Games. You know. Well, I'll do that. You Look, like there's Greece. a rival
14: gay. Let's dance. You like you like Greece? No. Oh.
2: Don't even get me started. On, you know, I got this whole thing about. I got this, and then we got to get a uh, call real quickly. I got this whole thing about people who never had a song written for them. You know, like I always wanted to write, I always wanted to write a song for Cynthia Lennon, you know, because she got the fuzzy end of the lollipop there. And I always regretted, I always sort of took it personally that the Sharks never had a song. So I've always wanted to write a song called When You're a Shark. Well, you don't know. Somebody else had to do that. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Go. Hey, I have two quick things. Yes.
13: First, selling out. Is when you compromise. So if like REM or U two or Pearl Jam went just Walmart, that would be selling out. But what 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 stand has ACDC ever really made? I mean, you know, you can respect them for their sort of.
2: You know, they sing a song you know. called Money Talks. You can't really fault yeah, exactly. them for yeah. All right,
13: It'd be
1: like Rage playing at the RNC.
13: And. I have a suggestion for Scott Dowley. I need a top five from him. Yeah. Top five things that take you out of a movie.
3: Hey, you want to Ooh. put that together?
2: Done. Do that done. for next nice time. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. All right, West
3: back. Side Story would be the first example. Uh,
2: all right. Final call yeah. of the week, setting the tone for my uh, mood all weekend long. Don't suck.
15: Hello. Hi. Uh, two words for Jimmy Ryan: marketing and distributorship. They just found a, a, an outlet that can make their music more available to the masses.
20: Okay, musicology seven to nine on Sunday. Stay it for then.
2: Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, we want to thank CNA Radio Correspondence Dick Uliano. Uh, Bob Costantini uh, Ed McCarthy and Lisa Desjardins as well as Kristen Bowie for being in today Fabway Roberts uh, Susan Reynolds Chris Paddock Scott Daly Pilgrim Radio.com. Rick Emerson show produced today by Kristen Bowie for AM 970 The Talker and the newsroom Tim Rowley and the phones Richie Bristol the gatekeeper Dave Zinn the webmistress Bridget from upstairs Director of Engineering Brian Jones uh, and of course CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with me Reynolds Adam from the Pimp Squad filling in on phones today as well we will see you at Monday Sarah and I will be here Monday we'll see you Tuesday for the full show back again Again, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Watch out for snakes. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Bye now.